Welcome to episode 107 of the Reptile Combo Podcast. Uh, we have a, a different lineup tonight as well. What? You're Nothing. Right? Oh, okay. So Robert's here, but Katie is still not here. She's doing a uh, she's got a test tonight for teaching. So we're joined by Megan Slaggy something bitch. Whatever. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he is on a roll tonight, isn't he, Megan? <laughs> Look, I, I, I know I'm going to screw your name up. I might as well screw it up the way I want to versus the way that I would end up screwing it up if I tried to. Next it. week, I might be filling in for James if he keeps it up. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no one else knows how to work all this stuff. We're good. I'm sure I could YouTube the hell we'll out of it. Figure it out. <laughs> Megan, how do you pronounce your last name? Sabyakovich. Yeah, whatever. That's, I knew that. Don't, don't lie. You're rude. I am rude. That's part of why people love me. That's uh, part of his uh, weird appeal. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, this past week we had a show in Bryan College Station, which for anybody that's listening, that will be our episode next week. We actually did several interviews. It may actually end up being a two-parter, but I'm not going to do it two different weeks. I may put it out the first half on Tuesday and the second half on Thursday. We definitely have some interesting content. Yes, we, we inter- interviewed a couple of people that you guys have heard us all talk about, and yeah, yeah. So, so some of the people inter- so there was some good, uh, some some regular reptile talk. Mm-hmm. We did interview uh, Lone Star uh, Panthers. Panthers. And we Panther talked about millions. Panther yeah. Millions, and we interviewed. Um, I have someone else. Who am I thinking of? Oh, shit. do that. The dragons. Why can I not think? Oh, of um, I know. My brain went, yeah, see, I have it written down in my bag over there, but I was too lazy to get up and get my oh, bag. Oh, what are they called? R&R Dragons. R&R Dragons. Tell because the name of the Yeah, R&R Dragons. And we talked about Tegus. And then we got to talk to Blake Wilson of Blake Wilson's Reptiles, which uh, there will be an interesting story that many of the listeners will enjoy. And you will not want to have your children. But make sure you're over 18 just to be safe. And then we talked to Andy Hine, which we mentioned a lot on here, and he was he was very professional. I was very let down by how professional Andy was. <laughs> It, it was, it was yeah. like, like business Andy, not yeah. Andy, Andy. Andy did a great job. Ugh. He I dropped just, an F bomb once and went, Oh, and sorry, he apologized. Sorry. And I'm like, what? I've never heard Andy apologize for cussing anywhere. Right. It's very awkward for me. Yeah. Uh, and then we got to have, uh, <laughs> we got to have Douglas Ray White as, as, uh, Sean likes to say, and his wife, Natasha, they were on. And I'm now going to make it a, a point that every time we do a recording at a show and they're there, they have to be on. Dude, they were so good. They were the so two paranoid. That did not want to do it. Like oh. they were so paranoid and didn't want to do it. They were one of some of the best interviews we did we've ever done. Yes. Well, Doug is full of stories, and I told him he has to tell a story every time we have, have yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, and then we also got. I'll show you a picture next week when I post the episode. But they also had. And it's been floating all over Facebook. But their paradox, the new paradox banana that they produced. Yeah, it's been all over Facebook this week. Partially because Douglas Ray White's been putting it all over Facebook, but still. Yeah, but there's been several people that <laughs> it is out there of it and. We took a picture. We'll post it next week when we post our episode. Yeah. Um, Did you see it when you were there this weekend, Megan? I didn't see it while I was there, but I saw, I think y'all were the ones that I saw a picture gotta, posted. Got to talk into the microphone. I'm talk- I thought I was talking there, to the There you go. Yeah. I'll figure it out. That thing is I saw a picture of it or a video, something. Gorgeous. It was really cool. Yeah. It's an awesome snake. Too bad it's not like genetic, but still, still a cool snake. And then we had some other interviews in there and I just can't. We had Sean on. We had Sean at the end. And I feel like there's somebody in there. That's else. it. Is that it? Yeah. It's. It was a lot. I realize I can't do 10 to 15 minute segments. It's just no, not possible. 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes is about what we, but we did. Yeah. And, and now, I def, definitely could have done way it was more, fun, but at a busy show, there's no way I could do that. No, 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 not that 
Yeah. And I don't want to say College Station wasn't busy, but it wasn't no, very busy for me. It wasn't. I mean, you had an okay Saturday. And there was there were a lot of people through the door. Sure. A lot of people through the door. Um, but it was hit or miss depending on the breeder. But yeah. that's like I talked to some people that had like record shows. So we got there early though. <clears throat> that was the first college station show that I'd been to because I just I don't ever have a reason to go out to College Station. Right. So, but it was definitely, it, it reminded me, I thought it was less busy than the Stafford show. That was like the last one that I went to that was down this way. So you were there early on Saturday. Yeah, we got it there got like, really we got busy there like the right when it opened, mostly because I wanted to avoid any crowds. It got, yeah, it got, it got busy. Real and busy. It, and then Sunday was, started steady. off slow like Sundays yeah, always do. And then got steady. Uh, it was an interesting show. You'll see several pictures on Facebook of some of the folks that shaved their heads for our buddy Chris Duncan, who's dealing with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, so there was a silent auction, and for that, they raised 5000 Yeah, it's 8000 total. Wow. between 8000 total between several shows and all. Yeah. Um, awesome. This week, also, Chris over at um, – holy shit. My brain's on blank. Chris. Chris Eaton. Eaton. It's yeah. Steaks and the Fat Steaks Man. Steaks and the Fat Man. Fuck me. It's spring break, and I just quit thinking during spring break. Uh, over at Snakes and the Fat Man put out a video asking for people to go buy the shirts, some of the, the F Cancer shirts that are out. Um, that was awesome. So go do that because uh, Chris and Tracy, not Chris Eaton, but Chris Duncan, they are great people, although Chris Eaton's a great person. Just don't tell anybody because he doesn't want to get out there, but he's an okay person. Yeah, he's a pretty good guy. Uh, I'm trying to think what he else. He messages me every Saturday and every Sunday. How'd the show go? And every Tuesday night to fuck with you during the podcast. Oh, yeah. Love it. So, uh, <laughs> but they were there uh, with Chris and Tracy. They were there and everybody shaved their heads. And now uh, Sean looks like a penis. Our buddy John Grant looks like a really ugly penis. John Grant was the most, I think he was the most uh, oh. drastic change. Oh, it was not good. Yeah. You're um, so sweet. I told him if he walked past me. <laughs> after, nothing he, we didn't no, say we told him his face. <laughs> If he walked past me looking like that, I would not have recognized it yeah. was him. Not at all. Looks, it would be like if I shaved my beard off. I think I could, if I, as long as I didn't speak, I could probably, probably walk, walk past by. you guys a yeah. couple times before you realize it was me. Yeah. So I mean, you figure my 11, almost 12 year old has never seen me without a beard. Oh, wow. Never once in his life. My husband did not have a beard when we first got together, but over the years, his hair traveled from here to here. <laughs> I think that's part of what mine is. It's compensating for the loss of it. Yeah. Up here. <laughs> He's not allowed to shave it now. He shaved it once at the beginning of the pandemic without telling me. I was, <laughs> I was not happy. <laughs> Dale in the chat wants to know more about the Lacey Act. We'll talk about the Lacey Act later tonight, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Um. I'm trying to think of it real quick. Oh, shout out to our sponsors because Kay's not here to do it. If you need a high quality PVC rack or cage, yada, 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 LS Reptile Rack. It's the guy over here sitting to my right. Yeah. Go get a reptile rack or cage from him. Uh, big changes coming to their business. It's going to be great. Uh, so look forward to that. Forward to that. Uh, also, up here on our board, I got to remind myself, we got, oh yeah, Herps because we just talked about them. The next Herps show is Slidell. Uh, three weeks, two weeks. Dates, two weeks, uh, three weeks. It's uh, the 2nd and 3rd of March. 2nd and 3rd of March. And then the 9th and 10th are is uh, Beaumont. Beaumont, I'll be there. And then the 16th and 17th is Temple. Did you mean 2nd and 3rd of April? Yes. Yes, not March, yes. April. Those are all April yeah, dates. Yeah, sorry. 16th and 17th is Temple. Temple. And then the 23rd and 24th are Austin. Yeah, Temple is Easter weekend. I will not be there. Yeah. Uh, Austin, I will be there. Um, I'll be at Beaumont. You'll be at all of them. Mm -hmm. That's your big run of a million shows, and and this weekend coming up, we have a show. We'll and be then at, I have no shows in May. 
So you can rest. Well, I have one, but no Herp shows with me. We have the Lone Star Shirts shows outside of San Antonio yep. this weekend. Yep. Uh, we'll be there. You and I will be there. We will be there. So My wife is leaving on a cruise. I know I mentioned before on the podcast I was very upset because Huff wasn't going to be there. I wasn't going to be able to see his reptile collection. But he called me on on Sunday and said, hey, I know I won't be there, but feel free to go by. and Is that better, so, Chris Eaton? Shut the door. to the, How do you even know the door is open, Because he can hear the echo or he can hear something downstairs. Fuck you, Chris. But... It just gets hot in here, so it does get hot in here, and we're fat. You should understand this. I spent all day working in someone's crested gecko room where they keep it eighty-three yeah. degrees. Robert spent all day working, and he hasn't done that in a long time. So leave him alone, Chris. <laughs> it was hot. Uh, and also, I gotta throw out there Wiregrass Exotics because they're up on there. I go by and see our friends, the Ruas in South Alabama. Go get you some feeders. Check out the reptiles. Uh, I got my heat panel finally from you from them. I need to put that up in my cage yes. at some point. Wiregrass Exotics <laughs> is my hero right you know, now. Yeah, because you got a heat panel. I got two. Because no one else had them. And a thermostat, yeah. right? Yeah, and a thermostat. Yeah, so. Dallas brought them to me on Saturday, and he just put them behind the table, and I knew he said something. And on, like, <laughs> Monday, I'm, like, going through, I'm, like, where the fuck? I, here's James's. <laughs> Who's are these? And then I'm, and then she messaged me, hey, can I come get my heat panels? And I was like, oh, yeah, Megan told me I was getting heat panels for her from Dallas. I completely forgot. Like, I could not remember who they were for. I got a message from my dad saying the background crazy is loud. Or the background is crazy loud. I don't huh. know. I don't hear it. That's strange. It's super weird. Maybe it's all of y'all. Maybe y'all's backgrounds are loud. I don't think it is. It's is not. it still loud, Chris Eaton? Can you tell us? Because I closed the door. Well, we'll talk about that, too. The yeah. guy smuggling the snakes. All right. So let's go ahead. We got, uh, oh, our giveaway. Make sure you check out our giveaway on our Facebook page. We're giving away a bundle of books. Uh, just We went to the to our local bookstore. We started grabbing books off. Some of them are kid books. Some of them are adult books. Some of them are field guides. But it's a bundle of reptile and amphibian-themed books. All you have to do is go over to our Facebook page, tell us your favorite reptile book, and if you also post the link to buy it on Amazon, you get two entries in. So you could hear kids and clinging pots. I don't think that's our house. I think that's... I think that's our guest. I, I have him turned down right now, but, but it's fine. It'll be okay, Chris Eden. Not everybody lives in a cave by themselves. So not everybody can have silence like you. All right. So speaking of our guests, let me go ahead and bring in our guest. Pull up the volume so I remember that he can actually talk now. All right. Uh, put him on the screen so everybody can see him. Our guest tonight is Dr. Ben Morrill of Rare Genetics. I was going to say Rare Earth, but that's a completely different person. <laughs> Rare Genetics. Um. And so we're going to talk about genetic testing, which you are oddly not our first genetic testing person here. Open the door because it's not. It's it's, it's it's we'll melt in here. I can't do that. Chris, we'll just have to suck it up. Uh, yeah, it, it's probably noise from my house. I'll I'll remind them right now. They got to quiet down. I do the same thing. To my, yeah. Earlier they were a little loud. But uh, we had uh, earlier this year we had or this was last year we had Dr. Seidel and Dr. Graves from the Ball Python Genetics Project who were working with some of the uh, albino. Uh, genetics testing in ball pythons, um, which I'm sure you are familiar with. I'm sure it's not a very large community of people doing genetics testing on snakes for the hobby. So, uh, but you're doing much more. So if you give us just a brief uh, overview of what you're doing, and then we can get into that, and we add some questions and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I, in 2011, I finished my PhD, and um, I guess I mean really goes back probably like most listeners, you know, as far back as I can remember, I've been catching snakes and lizards and frogs, whatever. Um, but yeah, all through school, high school, I, I ended up talking to Joe Mendelson, who's the, the curator of reptiles at the Atlanta Zoo now. Um, he was at Utah State University near where I grew up. 
and that's when I kind of started to be able to do some research. I helped him out as a an undergrad. Um, but the specifically what I'm doing now, once I graduated with my PhD, um, I was able to kind of focus back as a grad student. I was doing genetic testing, things like that, but it was geared towards uh, industry, food animals, uh, mostly cattle, pigs, um, some reproductive research with mice, mouse embryos, things like that. Um, but all, always molecular biology and genetics. Um, but yeah, 2011, when I graduated, I was able to start thinking about herps a lot more again. And a good friend of mine, Sean Christian, who uh, ran the Morelia Pythons Forum back in the day for anyone listening that was on the forums way, way back, back in the day, in the day. <laughs> <laughs> when forums used to be a thing. Uh, social media kind of shut that down. But um, we uh, met up at uh, Tinley's show in 2011. So it was right after I graduated and the Carpet Python, the complete Carpet Python book that I helped write one of the chapters for, um, that had just came out. So I went to Tinley to sign books and and uh, sell it for the first time there. And Sean was there and, and we talked lots about ideas of things that, that we could potentially do. He's had several successful businesses and and uh, since then, since 2011, we've been thinking about ideas. Since 2015, I started you know, really kind of putting the pedal to the metal and going into the literature and, and all through this time, I'm working a full-time job and I have, now I have four kids. Um, so lots of, of distractions along the way, but uh, eventually what ended up happening, the first thing we we're able to offer um, uh, commercially is a sex determination test for colubrid snakes and uh, venomous snakes. So lapids and, and viperids. Um, and then wow. um, other things have kind of developed some some things that people have been interested in, like uh, panther chameleon localities. Um, there's really awesome paper where they took like 320 blood samples and got the DNA from them and published all that information. So I have a lot of information with locality tied to it to compare to. Um, Doomroll's boas and Madagascar ground boas, uh, there's interest in being able to tell those two species apart, whether they're pure or crosses. So we're working on a test for that. And then uh, the, the really big one here recently is with uh, sequencing prices coming down. And uh, I have a connection to a genomics institute, the Hudson Alpha Genomics Institute where they have a lot of experience using uh, the software that they've developed to find small genetic differences that lead to a phenotype. So some, you know, outwardly showing trait, which in our case with ball pythons, color and pattern mutations. And so they've not used it in animals. It's mostly been used uh, for in plant species, but um, we have a, a really good pipeline in place to be able to find lots of different mutations and be able to get them nailed down. And then the last 20 years in my full-time job, I've been designing genetic tests and running them and teaching, you know, training other people to run them. And so I'm in a, a pretty good spot to be able to help orchestrate figuring out those sequences, designing tests, validating them, getting them set up and, and run so that we can do fairly high throughput for, there'll be lots of people, anyone with a ball python they don't know for sure what it is or if you get a pos head you want to know for sure if it's head or not and 
you know, all of those things, hopefully we'll be able to start answering those real quick. So your goal is to basically send you a ball Python shed and you can tell them exactly what's in it. Not, they have to give you an idea and you're somewhat looking for a marker, but you can tell them, no, this is a pied marker. This is a whatever. You can go from there. Yeah. So to start with, like right now today, um, we can test, and this is from work from other people, um, for uh, piebald and for lavender albino. Those two tests are really good. Um, so Dr. Sadell was the one that, that figured out the lavender albino and then a group in Canada yeah, and figured Canada, out pied. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they didn't develop a test, but they, they found the sequence and then I developed a test and have, I've run it on over a hundred pied or het pied samples now, and it works really, really well. Um, so, so those two we have nailed down. Um, but what we want to do over the next two to four months, um, we should be able to add another six or eight to that. And so we would have a panel that we would be able to rank, run for people and, Hopefully another year later, we have 20 or 30 or, you know, it'll be something we'll just keep, you know, working on it and adding more, uh, more morphs to. So we have that, a big, nice panel. Someone can send a shed in and we can do a test and tell you if there's only one or two genes you're interested in, we can do that. But if you just want to send a shed in and say, hey, what is this? Yeah. And we'll be able to do that. Well, that's awesome. That is awesome. That, uh. That'll do, like, and we talked about before when we talked about testing, that'll completely change the hobby and we can start getting rid of some of the possible het tags on things. And yep. uh, you can test something out when they're three months old instead of having to wait for four months and breeding it and seeing, oh shit, that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Four years. Yeah, later. we have a, a female clown that's also Orange Dream and Fire and I think one or two, and she, <coughs> anyway, she was a cool female. She was... Uh, also posset pied but we were able to prove her out as being het pied and so now she's <laughs> way more powerful and we <laughs> definitely aren't selling her well it's also cool because like i said when we talked with the guys over at the ball python genetics project um dr graves had recently or fairly recently become a, a reptile person or a snake owner but you, you've been in the hobby for a long time so you've taken your hobby and your job and really pushed it forward yeah so- yeah i've been doing both genetic tests and breeding ball pythons my first clutch ever was a ball python clutch i bred lots of other python species and i did get a boa litter and i've had a few king snake and milk snake clutches along the way but mostly pythons and then ball pythons almost exclusively the last four or five years so it's been over 20 years of both genetic testing and breeding pythons that's awesome i'm I'm very i'm very excited to see how that goes i i know the just the the, being able to test for sex is a big thing in a lot of species, especially if you can get that for things like monitors or blue tongue skinks or some tortoises and stuff like so that. So I can announce I've got one for blue tongue skinks and it seems to be working. So awesome. I have people sending in known male and females. I'm testing just like I did with the pie test. I ran over a hundred there to make sure it's working well. Um, I'm doing the same thing with blue tongues, but yeah, looks like blue tongues and probably a gurney as well. That's great. That is yep, awesome. On the way. Yeah, because some of those species, like, uh, well, with, like, some of the colubrids stuff, because some of the colubrids, you can't, you just can't sex. We talked, right. I talked with uh, Travis Wyman, and he has those beak snakes, and you just can't sex. He talks about how the hemipenes and those things are so sensitive. Actually, a friend of ours was going to buy some of the show this weekend, and she was very worried about it, and so she talked to him, and he told her, he said, go to them and ask them if they've sexed them, and if they've sexed them, turn around and walk away. And, and, the red beak. And they did, yeah. And they had sexed them, and so she turned around and walked away. 
See, no, <laughs> I didn't know that because I actually walked past that table and I've been wanting one of those guys for a while. I just haven't brought them home. But it does say, it did say on the label, like, you know, male, female, male, female, but I had no idea. According to Travis, you can't pop them. Wow. And if you try to probe them, you will tear straight through the hemipenes. Wow. And so you, but you now buy. you know, you want to ask them if they've got a certificate from Rare yes. Genetics Inc. Okay. Yeah. They, they had probed, they had probed these. Okay. Um, and I don't know who sabled it, so it's like, could be somebody I know and I'm friends with. And so yeah. I don't, it is. See, it that, is? that's yeah. something like that I wouldn't have known because I don't, like, I don't do breeding or anything like that. I'm almost exclusively I, I just do wildlife stuff for the most part so i'm excited about this episode because i don't know squat about genetics i am the last person you want to ask about genetics <laughs> it's, so it's funny i uh, i'm a so i'm a high school biology teacher so I, I have a fairly decent understanding of just like basic genetics but it, i've been in this hobby for almost 20 years and it's very funny to watch people who barely passed high school who will just spout off ball python genetics because now they breed ball pythons but i they don't have a full understanding of genetics. They just have what yeah. they've been regurgitated over and over again. So I'm sure as a geneticist, it has to drive you nuts getting into a genetics conversation with just like a random person who thinks that they're equal to you because they bred like five ball pythons. <laughs> it definitely used to bug me when I was in, in college. I, there's some threads. There's one that was really long. It was on a king snake forum. Yes. A ball python king snake forum, probably. 2004 <laughs> talk about a page on, um, on king snake that i've never been to the ball python yeah. forums I can... <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean just the fact that people didn't understand that incomplete uh, yeah the, that <laughs> co-dominant thing that that drove me nuts um so yeah incomplete dominant it's i didn't think it would ever change and i eventually kind of gave up but it's it's Slowly. nice that yeah that people recognize at least some people recognize the difference now um but yeah i mean it, it doesn't matter doesn't bother me as much now and when i'm at a show you know i i talk like a ball python keeper and you know people want to talk about detailed specific things i'm happy to do that too but i'm i'm there to have fun and i don't let it stress me out <laughs> yeah you're not throwing out words like loci or alleles you're just staying away from that terminology yeah most I, of the time <laughs> i talked to um I can't remember the vendor this weekend. It was D D and something. Retic. Retic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eventually I would love to add a dwarf retic to my collection. And they started talking about some genetic stuff. And I'm like, my concern is how big is it going to get? And is it pretty? That's all. (laughs) (laughs) So that one's, so so what I do know about dwarf retics, and this is all from what I've heard of Garrett Hartle, who does dwarf retics Mm -hmm. is I've heard that if it's the female is not the dwarf, then you can pretty much throw it out the door that it's probably going to get bigger than you want. Yeah, there was one, and I. it takes me a while to, like, catch on to the science stuff because I'm just – I'm an English and history nerd. Ugh. Like, that was who I was in school. So math and science is, like, way down here. Um, but they said there was one particular locality where if it was, like, more than, I think, 25% or something, then you could guarantee that it was going to stay smaller. So your your island species tend to be yeah. smaller? Like you see in boas also, they're dwarfs. So it's mm-hmm. one of the I, – I don't know. There's That's another thing. I'm, I'm not – and we'll get into it because they do uh, yeah, locale stuff. Uh, it's so complex. I mean, I, it's mind-blowing. I try to stay away from locale stuff because I get confused on – that's why I don't do yeah. uh, gray, bands. gray band king snakes. Um, I, don't, I haven't done rosy boas as much as I like rosy boas. I have one pair of rosy boas because I can't yeah. do locales. But uh, yeah, yeah, I know with retics, there's a lot of locales. And then also on the other side, there's a crap ton of genetic mm-hmm. uh, morphs now. 
So Yeah. And I'm wondering too, I mean, I, I don't know if this is a thing, but I mean, obviously ball pythons are the most popular snake in the hobby. And I don't know if that's because it seems like they have the most diverse number of like genetic combinations. And so that's why they're so popular or if they have the most diverse it's size and color because yep size and color yeah and temperament and temperament yeah i mean and ease of being able to get them for the last 40 years out of the wild when they look different than the other ones we got out of the wild yeah Yeah, importing tens of thousands every year yeah Yeah. because i haven't seen any other species of snake that comes in as many varieties i mean because there's a lot of cool there's a lot of cool australian pythons out there but we just can't can't legally get them. Yeah, let me tell you. I'm on the children or the Antaresia page. Oh, yeah. Some of the stuff they have over there for children. I'm yeah. constantly forgetting that most of the keepers in there are in Australia. <laughs> so I see all these morphs and I'm like, oh, my God, that's so mm. cool. And I'm like, oh, not for me. Blackhead. <laughs> Blackheads. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Awesome blackhead morphs yep. that I wish we could I, get. I was watching um, Crocodile Dundee 2 the other day. And there's the part where they're all all the bad guys are sleeping in their camp, and he comes running in and throws the bag down, and uh, the guy says, "Just a python, you big girl," and it's a huge blackhead. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, but they'll bite the shit out of you. We'll bite the shit out of you." Yeah, that uh, I watched one bite the crap out of somebody at a show a while back. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, Rock reptiles had some really beautiful. Oh, Jim. Oh, Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim makes. He's some got of those exanthic ones. If I only had oh, a yeah. spare five grand, that's my my speckled king snake <laughs> came from him. But yeah, I want one of his Swiss <clears throat> line blackheads. They were so yeah, gorgeous. He's always had nice ones for years now. Jeez, it's it's always crazy how like one person just does so much better at a species than other people. Like it's yeah, yeah. and and he's so unassuming. I mean, yeah. I mean, you would never. I mean, one little table is very quiet. Got just like a couple of ball pythons and some blackheads. But man, they're amazing blackheads. Yes, they are. Was not expecting to walk away with. Oh, guess I need one of those now. <laughs> <laughs> they're cool. They're another mm. one when you kind of like Angolan pythons. Mm, like yeah. when you hold them, when you see them in person and you hold them. Yes. It's, it's just different. Like, you, especially if you're. Or a person that doesn't really like ball pythons, you see an angle and you're like, yeah, you know, it just looks. Took like me a long time python. to like them. Man, I tell you what, you spend very much time around them. They're completely see, different. Now, now I'm gonna have to look them up. Who is it? Brumley that has them. Brumley. He gets pissed when you say they're ball oh, pythons. They're like just like he, he, they're like a ball python. I would say they're not least, like a ball python. I would say bumpy ball pythons. At least one of them for me. <clears throat> they might have been a pair. I can't remember. Oh really? They uh yeah yeah. He always compares them more to like a, a dwarf uh. Rock python, maybe without the attitude, but like they're they're definitely gonna move more. They're not gonna ball up. And they're yeah. not gonna, okay. and they're bigger. But Jason yeah. Brumley's another one that runs under the radar. If you're not in green tree pythons or stuff yeah. like that, you may not know who Jason is. But man, he's got some amazing stuff. It's just like a cooler. That is true. <laughs> we have a listener that wants to know. Hmm? Have you ever walked away from an animal without saying, "I guess I need one of those now"? You know what, Travis? You know where you can go. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of your friends, right? Yes, it is one of my <clears throat> friends. And guess what, Travis? Look, I'm coming home with another snake. Yeah, Robert brought her. Uh, yeah. I'm going to call it Sagi corn, just so I can piss off people. A Slowinski corn. <laughs> but uh, but no, you'll you'll get your your Antaresia at some point, just like uh, you know, melanistic blue tongues magically showed up in the United States. I just I need all of them. Give it time. Someone in Germany sure. has Visited to visit Germany at some point. Yeah. Got to go through Germany first, <laughs> yeah. and then it will magically. Oh, it just bred here. It's crazy. <laughs> or you could do the uh, fake pregnancy belly to get leucistic boas into the country. That's also a fun story. Doesn't always work. It, it, yeah, I know somehow, him. somehow you can do it. Get in trouble for it. 
and still get away with it. That's the most amazing part. That's oh, oh, no. some of the stories in in Herb's culture are just. If you didn't actually know the people that did, I mean, like, there's no, there's no way that actually happens. <laughs> but like paying off a a vet, using a fake pregnancy belly, sneaking a snake into another country, just doesn't seem like something that someone would actually do, and yet it happened. And then they got really ballsy and put it on the front of Reptiles magazine. I feel so vanilla <laughs> because that would just never occur to me to do that ever. It does when the price tag is there. So that was, I, I remember when I remember when those snakes first showed up on King Snake Forum in a video. And I was like, "Holy fuck!" And then yeah, and then they were here, like the guy that just snuck across the into the United States with a shit ton of horny toads in his. He had horn toads and he had some tortoises, I think. I'm more and his shirt is like all in his shirt. I was a little impressed. I'm not gonna lie. That I mean, the effort that it took to hide all of them into his shirt. Yes, <laughs> it had to be uncomfortable. I would imagine. I mean, he, he had to have smelled horrible. Oh yeah. I mean, because they're just shitting and pissing all over the place. Oh yeah. Well, I think <laughs> they said that they snakes? were like in bags. I don't remember what snakes they said. They, I knew there were. I think there's eight or nine snakes, but I never saw which which species. And I imagine the colubrids, which means they were musking the shit out of them, also. So he just had to, like, there's no way he rolled his window down and they went, yeah, you're going to have to step out. Nature. Like, <laughs> Might perfume. be how he got caught. Oh, but, uh, so going back to some of the, that, that Facebook user that put Megan with the heart is Brittany Deason. Hi, Brittany. The owners of, uh, the hell's the name of their store? Just Repticulture. I was like, good. It's not just head. me that forgets shit. We're great. Yeah. Um, so going back to some of the, the genetic testing, I think one of the coolest things you touched on is locale testing being able to test gen- genes for locales because there are several species where that is uh you know that's a big thing um one that i find interesting is, is green trees just because after the study came out last year about the green tree, tree genetic testing and how actually how genetically different they are just from one place to the other and the fact that that as a group green tree people have kind of become okay with mixing that shit together They're like yeah, no, we're good. It turns out black. We're fine. It, it's got blue color. We're great. We're wonderful. Like, y- y'all keep moving on. Yeah, don't mix everything else together. But uh, that you'll be able to fi- finally kind of figure that out with some of these species. Go, yeah, no, that's not what that is. Especially like with scrub. I know somebody mentioned with scrub pythons when we asked the question because that's a big thing. Because we're not there when they're collected. And a lot of the stuff that we get in when it says it's from here, it's shipped out of an airport there. Right. But that is not where that local dude caught it on top of a mountain somewhere, you know, 500 miles away. So how do you get your how do you get your data for some of that? I mean, are you just having to trust that some of the stuff you're testing is real data to go from, is real uh, a real animal from that place? Um, I, I try to not have to trust at all. I try to like the with the panther chameleons. That's the ideal situation. Like those people went there, went all throughout their range, caught these animals, did a blood draw, and took pictures. They did color. Um, some color things with them as well but the biggest thing was having dna samples from i think it was 320 or 340 different panther chameleons throughout the range i mean that you can't ask for a better genetic sampling so to be able to have that kind of information to compare to is is perfect um it's not going to be that perfect for everything uh and i'm kind of just focusing on ones as people are are interested enough like the panther chameleon group there's a group of people jonathan hill uh kind of led the charge they got money together to be able to fund um you know me spending my time in the literature 
and going on to GenBank and finding all the sequences and doing the, you know, comparing. Um, so that's why the two two projects that have kind of been keeper funded projects, the the panther chameleons and then the the Madagascan boas, um, you know, that that's why I've you know took a dive into those. And there's been a, enough uh, published information for both of those that I have something to start with. And a really cool thing about the ground boas and doom rolls is some of the keepers have animals that are 40 years old and came directly from a zoo and oh, nice. you know things like that. So so there's there's some that that uh, there's you know documented information and filled caught animals that have DNA samples. So that's when what I can really use as my anchor to tie to to compare. Um, I certainly can't you know trust somebody you know bought this from someone who got it from that you know I, that's those are the ones that i run after i have something to compare to yeah and it's got to be obviously a species from an area where you can get to because there's i mean some places in the middle east you're obviously not going to be able to test some of those animals because you can't get enough samples from that area yeah um yeah we're not going to do locality angolan stuff that's yeah. for sure angolan pythons <laughs> Uh, Someone will lose their their arms and legs or lives getting those samples. Yeah, it's not worth it. Just just enjoy your. That's from Jason Berlin. Just enjoy your bumpy ball python. Do you have to have <laughs> like a like? Does the shed have to be a certain sample size? Super small. Or? I know that it can be. It can be pretty small. It can be. Well, I'm just curious because like my like I have a Euromastix, for example, mm-hmm. and they don't shed their whole body at once. They take like half a fucking year to shed everything (laughs) (laughs) so it's just like you know little little tiny pieces at a time so i'm thinking like you know can i send in something that's really small like that and you can still you know run it yeah yeah actually the the dna extracts better from small pieces so one of the first things that i would do if i need a lot of dna Mm -hmm. i'm using a bigger chunk of shed than a lot of the time like the protocols you'll see in in papers people actually cut them up into smaller pieces so if you if you have a lizard like like with the blue tongues where we have that sex determination test or uh, we've got heloderma that should come th- later this year. Awesome. Um, you know, any of these lizards, you know, that frequently come, the sheds come in small pieces. Mm-hmm. That's no problem. So uh, the, the rule of thumb is to send me enough to cover a quarter, you know, a quarter size piece from a snake. You can just tear it out. If it's a lizard, just kind of stack it, you know, and if you get about the size of a quarter there, that's plenty. Um, what I actually use is probably the top of a number two pencil eraser. That's oh, wow. that's what I'll normally use to extract from. Huh. Is there a reason that it works better from a smaller sample size versus a larger? Yeah. So what what we we have to do the DNA is inside of the cells that's inside of the skin, and so that skin has a really tough matrix. Uh, you know, that's to protect that animal's insides. And just like our skin, you know, that's keeping our insides in and the bad things out. Um, so we use chemicals, agents that will um, break down the proteins in the skin. But then specifically, we use, um, we call them, uh, we call it a lysis buffer. So we use something that will lyse the cell membrane as well. So we have to, to digest proteins and then we have to lyse that membrane. And so if you're physically cutting it into smaller pieces, you're already kind of breaking some of those membranes down. And then the chemicals, it's less work the chemicals have to do. They, they'll be able to get more of that DNA free. So for us to test the DNA, it has to get out of the cell, out of the skin, to where our primers can get to it and do the polymerase chain reaction or PCR. Fan, fancy okay. biology term, lice means to burst for anybody out there wanting so to learn biology. I, I just Explode. saw. Yeah. I slept through biology. <laughs> I have some of those. 
You saw what? I just saw in Ball Pythons of Texas, I think a guy posted that. I'll find it. Hold on. I'll keep going. Okay. So I do have a question. So talking about that, going with that. The one thing that I thought was going to be kind of hard to do, how do you end up doing tortoises? Because shedding is not really an option that you're not getting big chunks of skin off a tortoise to be able to test that. I've never done any turtle or tortoise samples. Um, First of all, I've been mostly focused on sex determination and anything that is temperature dependent sex determination, I can't do a genetic test for. Um, so that already rules out a lot of, of turtles and tortoises. That sucks. Um, but if, if there was a, te- a genetic test we wanted to do on any turtle or tortoise species, you know, I would have to talk to someone. The, the other things that I would usually do would be like a, like a, you know, a scale clip or, you know, something like that. I don't, I don't know how that would yeah. be with a turtle or a tortoise. If there's a way you could take uh, a little bit of skin. Um, I just, I haven't worked with turtles and tortoises. So, so it's going to leave, but that's, that's a big barrier to sex determination. Uh, any of the temperature dependent species. So all your crocodilians you are, are out as well. That sucks. Yeah. And a lot of the geckos and geckos. Otherwise you're waiting like seven years to sex a tortoise. Yeah. You gotta wait till they get curved on the belly or not. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pain. What uh, about ultrasound for them? Do you know? Is it still that many years to be able to ultrasound them? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good trick for Heloderma. You can get them a little earlier by ultrasounding them. I don't. I don't know how early turtles and tortoises start uh, growing follicles. I don't know either. I don't know. Either. I've got my first baby, so me I'm too. Still, I'm still learning. <clears throat> I've got babies and adults, and the adults are old enough for me to go. Yeah, that's a male. Yeah. Or sometimes I just look out there and go. It's a male. Well, I have a 42-year-old, shit, almost 43 now, uh, ornate box turtle that we we call her by a female name, but we have no clue what her gender is. Is there not like a yeah, more clear way yeah. to determine their nope. sex? You have to pair them up and see which one gets on top. Yeah. All right. That's why I like red ear sliders. <laughs> right. The only thing I like about red ear sliders. They're the but- ones with eye color difference. Well, the radio sliders have the fingernail difference. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that? Yeah. What yeah, the males have huge claws for holding on to the female, and so every time I someone think, posts an adult with these huge claws, like that's a boy. Yeah, I, always I think one of the, the turtle, oh, one ahead. of the turtle species eye color was different, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, that is cool. I don't know that one. I gotta find that out now. It always cracks me up because in the Redfoot tortoise group, people post a picture and they'll be like, "What's coming out of my tortoise?" And we're like, "Congratulations, it's, a penis. it's the boy." <laughs> yeah, it happens in sulcatas. Sulcata groups all the time. It's yep. This giant alien penis just flopping around in the yard. Did your parents I, not I, have I, the birds of the beast? Right? I'm like, I don't understand why you're asking this I, question. I can I can somewhat forgive them because it's a weird fucking penis. Sure, sure. I mean, if I bet they think ours is too, though. That's true. <laughs> Pretty much never seen a tortoise penis. Uh, Google that shit. That's uh, it's, if you really want to get interesting, Google a pig's penis. Is it shaped like a corkscrew? Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, a weird one. Or if you really get interesting with a cat penis, it's got barbs on it. Yep. You ever wonder why a cat screams when they're breeding? You would too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, tortoise penis. It's a tube with a fucking plate on the end of it. Just All right, we went off the fucking radio. <laughs> problem I have All to right. worry about. So let's get back. So the question we asked uh, for this week was, what genetic testing do you think would be uh, most helpful to the reptile keepers, our two reptile keepers? We had several, uh, and we talked about some of them already. We had several answers. Jason Brumley is the first one that pops up. Looking forward to sex determination tests for pythons to be completed. Uh, that would be really nice for green tree pythons, definitely because green tree folks have to hold on to those things forever for once just to see what color they're going to be. 
but then you'd be nice to be able to sex them. We're getting all kinds of uh, information uh, about different. Oh, there's all sorts of different. Messy. Yeah. Warren Booth, Todd. I knew. I did know ducks have corkscrewed penises. Also, I knew that. Yep. And uh, I don't want to know why Douglas Ray White knows goose peckers have barbs, but because uh, he's from the country. Yeah, we're gonna go with that's why. <laughs> so Emma he, are pretty crazy looking too. If he would have commented, "Goose peckers have barbs, Conway, and they hurt." Then we'd have a problem. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but, you know. That is true. Uh, let's see. Warren Booth. I have Green Trees done right now, just not released that yet. Well, I've told everybody, so there you go, Warren. <laughs> my, my bad. We, Dr. We Warren Booth. very soon as well. Awesome. Yeah, Warren, you won't be the only one. <laughs> Suck it over there in Oklahoma. <laughs> that He speaks only for himself, Warren. <laughs> I love Dr. Warren Booth. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see. Sean Grade said tortoise keepers would like it, but we already had that conversation. Uh, sorry, Sean. You're just gonna have to keep waiting until that penis pops out. Yep. Or doesn't pop out. What's well, like Kona? I guess she's big enough to sex because they're they call her a female. Yeah, she's got a big old flat belly. It's it's you can tell on like the big adult Aldaras. Yeah. It's, it's pretty obvious. Uh, Warren Booth is leaving Oklahoma. What? Are you going to Florida? Well, I knew he said he was going to interview. Where, where are you going, Dr. Warren offer Booth? that made it worth it. I mean, I won't blame you for leaving Oklahoma. It's Oklahoma. Right. <laughs> I've only been there once, and I'm good. Uh, Jessica Hare said, I didn't know this was a thing in corn snakes. I knew it was a thing in boas, but test for stargazer in corn snakes. What is stargazer? Is it like in boas where they just stare at the sky? When they have IBD, I don't know. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Oh, now they're going to have two geneticists over there. Around Virginia. Yeah. You can go hang out with Travis. Oh, wait. I think I do remember. I didn't read the entire conversation. I do remember seeing something about that. Who's well, going to Virginia Tech? Is that Warren? Warren. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's 20 minutes from... Actually, I work at the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. <laughs> for, for, that, all the Virginia is going to be the <laughs> state for for reptile genetics, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, just ship see, your reptile they, stuff to, to Virginia. It will see, find somebody. I want to go to dinner with him, Travis, and Warren and just sit there because no, I have no, you'll nothing be to confu- contribute. Be fucking confused as hell. At all. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I pulled up a tab. Oh, I was going to look up Stargazer. Endowed and, professor position. Endowed? Whoa. Wow. Hey, hey Warren. <laughs> that's, cal- <laughs> calm down. He didn't say well endowed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. I'm trying to figure out what Stargate see. Stargazing corn snakes. Well, that's awesome, Warren. I look forward to hanging with you here. Yeah, that's man, that's cool. cool. Congratulations. Way to go, Warren. Way to get. Way to go on getting out of. I never understood how someone moves from where you move from. And, and like, I mean, we've talked about it, but still. Sure. I mean, he explained it to us. But in Oklahoma, there's just so many better places. <laughs> and he says it is well endowed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, so apparently stargazer from just reading on a quick Google search is a recessive gene that causes neurological problems in corn snakes. Yeah. So I have had several people ask about that and I told them, get me samples that are known stargazers and I've got plenty that are not known stargazers to compare to. Um, and then we can, we can do that work. That's something that would work well with the Hudson Alpha Institute, the, the pipeline they have set up. That would be really great if I had, 30 to 50 that are known stargazers uh, or het, 100% sure they're het for stargazer, um, then we could get that test figured out. So would you, you're just, you would test them and you're looking for the differences. You're looking for what is different in these than are in the known stargazers and the known non stargazers. And then you'll yep, identify, yeah. okay, all 50 of these had this particular whatever. I don't know all the, the, the words. 
Um, yeah, so they're they're specific bioinformatics, so they're software to be able to identify small differences in, in DNA sequence. Um, it, it scans through, you know, these one and a half billion base pairs, A's, T's, C's, and G's, and it takes the pool of known stargazers, the pool of known non-stargazers, compares them, and then just looks for any small difference between the two that's common in one group and absent in the other groups. So this is more than just a simple basic gel electrophoresis looking at bands kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, this isn't stuff that I'll be doing. This is stuff that, that I'll be collaborating with them. Um, I, I'm not a bioinformatics person. I, I know a little bit to be able to do some, and ironically, the code that I use is Python, so that's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, so the little bit I do is, is with Python and Perl, um, but I, I would not be able to do this on my own. This collaboration with them is, is a huge between them and the, the sequencing costs going down, that's what's making it possible for us to do this economically. Warren asked if it's viral or linked to a gene. I think it's linked to a gene from what I saw. It was a stargazer was a recessive trait. That, so. That's what people have told me. I have not looked up any papers on it, so I don't, I don't know. But it seems like from what I've heard from multiple independent sources that it's a simple recessive trait. Yeah, so different than like uh, in BOAs when you get it when they have uh, – IBD is IBD IBD yeah inclusion body disease yep um and they just start staring up and then they're going downhill and they're gonna die uh, this, I don't I don't I'm gonna try to like make this question make sense good luck <laughs> thank you so through all of the genetic testing that you're doing is there a way to take your research and figure out ways to I guess produce certain genetics that could eliminate like certain conditions that come with those genes like for example in ball pythons it seems like the spider morph is pretty controversial because of certain neurological issues that can come with it's that. attached to the gene and so is i mean is there a way to like eventually possibly get rid of that in this particular gene through the research or because it, it seems like people insist on continuing to breed it despite the known Because it's pretty. I mean, I guess. I don't it's the same reason we breed jaguar carpets. I don't think it's carpets. impressive. But again, yeah. I'm not a ball yeah, but, it, but if you've seen a jag, a jag carpet is really pretty. I have seen a jag carpet. And they're also mentally yes. fucked up. Um, I don't know that. There was a vendor <laughs> this weekend that had one. And I was asking him, has it had any neurological issues? Said, no, nothing I've ever seen. And I look over and it's completely upside down. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, yeah. and I'm like... Uh, there it is, bro. Yeah, let, <laughs> I've let, produced lots of jags and lots of spiders, and I've I've never had any that are the fall over, you know, horrible. They're they're a yes, little different. That's the question I'm basically asking in short words. So, if we can manipulate me, genetics. Yeah, yeah. So the the short answer to your question, if you'll let me tell a little bit of a story after I give you the short answer. Go for it. Short answer is no. There's nothing we can do. Um, not anytime soon. Can't imagine that there would be a way we could. Um, the, the somewhat longer answer, I uh, when I was in grad school, there was a chicken genetics person that I was talking to, and there are s similar mutations that do a, a similar thing in chickens, and the research they've done there is a lot deeper, and I would imagine we would find the same thing in spider ball pythons. The reason why the color and pattern is different is because the melanocytes, so that dark pigment that uh, while the embryo is developing, the melanocytes have to move along the neural crest, and when it, when they're doing that part of the embryonic development, um, this genetic change is causing that to get messed up so it doesn't follow the normal path. 
well, it's not only the melanocytes moving, it's also, you know, nerve cells. And so the same reason why you're getting that color and pattern change is the same reason why the wiring for that animal is messed up. So you can't really get one without the other, at least with that specific hmm. mutation. Now, could there be some crisper, elegant way 20 years from now that we could figure out a way to just make the melanocytes move and not the neuro, neuro, you know, neurons? I don't know, maybe, but but yeah, it's not not a simple thing. You're not going to braid it out. You're not going to you know change anything. There, it's the it's the same process. Those cells moving during embryonic development and not moving the right way along the neural crest. That's most likely what's happening in spiders as well, and and jags for that matter. Yeah, they uh, and and I haven't seen a ton that are like you'll, you'll see all the Facebook or all the YouTube videos of where the spiders and stuff are really fucked up and falling over. I've had a jag carpet. And they, they get retarded at times. Like feeding, feeding causes them to kind of yeah. get really excited and then kind of flop around for the rat because they don't have the best aim. Yeah, we've got that one spider that I bought for my daughter's girlfriend. And it's perfectly fine until you put a rat in there. Oh, sounds like my banana. I've watched it turn completely <laughs> upside down and strike the rat upside down. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> shot, but completely upside down. <laughs> It's also bitten me the same way, too. The very first female spider that I bought, so this is back in like 2005, 2006. So you paid way too much for it. Uh, I paid $4,500 for her. (laughs) Um, She, in the last like, I don't know, two or three years, is finally getting bad enough that I I wasn't comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, So I did have her euthanized, but I mean, she made it a lot of years where... She really didn't have many problems at all. It was not until she was over 15 years old that she started having significant problems. But like you guys are saying, I have seen videos, you know, people have some that are really bad. I just, I haven't <clears throat> had that experience myself. I've gotten, gotten lucky, I guess. I think there's several things that cause it to magnify. Like I said, excitement because of feeding time. I think stress, stress. Uh, if they're warm, like warmer than usual, they're probably going to be like, it's, there's several things that cause it to be worse than it is. Um, but there are plenty of animals that have lived a full life with those genes. Uh, it just comes down to, do you want an animal that may, I got rid of my Jag just cause I was tired of opening the tub and go to feeding and it would just flop out and miss the rat every time. I was like, all right, I'm done. You gotta go. And so I, I sold understand that. that. Um, but Warren, so Warren Booth said disentangling, whether we can disentangling, whether we can disentangle the color slash pattern from the neural issue is not possible at this point. Which is what you said, yeah. Yes. I just I appreciate agree. everyone who's more concisely. Now, if we could just get Elon Musk in the comments, who, if we could just get Elon Musk interested in snake genetics, that's true. <laughs> you know, he could get his alien technology. Well, and so and it's not just the uh, the neural issue with that. There's and we've talked it with um, with Travis before about like the bug eyes in leucistic animals, like leucistic rats or in albino uh, boas. Uh, that's also connected along that path. Like so to to the whole chain losing of color causes way more issues than the changing of pattern is the way Travis explained it once, but there's the path that it goes also fucks up other stuff as well. So it's, it's, you just kind of got to deal with it sometimes. It's kind of like saying, can I get a drug for my health condition that doesn't have side effects? Yeah. Most of the time. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, but something, I guess people can hold on. The problem is, is by the time we figure out how to do that, and if we could actually go in and change it, make that happen, then a spider ball python will cost 20 grand again. 
<laughs> it was genetically had to make the spider ball python. Uh, so back to our question. Oh, so again, I asked the question, what genetic testing do you think we need? And of course, I had a feeling someone like this would ask. Todd Autry said for snakes or keepers uh, when I asked what genetics <laughs> test. And then, uh, and so I, I said, I knew he would. He said, well, it honestly was what he came to mind. I said, well, I guess maybe a test to understand what makes someone want to own ball pythons. That would be a good genetics <laughs> test. I can figure that out. Uh, Scott Schmidt said locales would be amazing, especially for scrub community. Uh, he's got a picture of a, what was given to him as a Maruki uh, scrub. Again, that would be interesting. <laughs> some of those, again, some of those things over there uh, are just hard to get to. And so it'd be hard to get a large enough sample base. I would assume because yeah. you got to get enough animals off this one Island to figure out if they originally came from that Island. Yeah. And, and actually Dr. Booth probably would have a, a good answer for that. He's, I think he's done some, sequencing with uh, some locality samples of several python species so i i don't have a good feel for how how much has been published uh, <laughs> he, how well i'd be able to do that he did say that might be happening to a degree that's all he said with a little smiley face mm-hmm. it's weird yeah, when he starts using cool. emojis and now he's going to be my neighbor so i'll be able to just go drive over walk over and bug him so. <laughs> that's awesome. uh so douglas ray white in the i can't say his name without saying it all country Said, uh, is that why there's no super forms or for lethal combos and spiders? Yeah, it's the same as like a, with boas. You can't, you can get a super motley boa and it'll be great for like about two and a half years. And then it's just dead. And then it's going to die. Wow. So, I didn't know that. same as, or, you know, you can't get a super jag and carpets or else you'll get a dead white baby. You know, it'll just be hit a, be an egg dead, you know. So, some of these things, because they mess up so much, you can't have two forms of the same gene or else it really fucks it up. So, Sorry, Doug. Quit breeding your spiders to spiders. And there's similar things in, in other species. I think like merle and dogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's there's several. It's you know it's just a you know homozygous lethal. When I there was a so when I worked at PetSmart, I remember somebody came in with a white boxer, and I'd never seen a white boxer. And I was talking to somebody and said, Yeah, there's a reason you don't see white boxers because they tend to be deaf, mm-hmm. and a lot of breeders will uh, drown and kill the puppies so that no one knows that their dog throws white. It's like double merles. If you see a dog with a double merle, they tend to be blind. They can come out deaf. They can have neurological issues. If you see anybody trying to sell double merle dogs, run in the opposite direction. It's a terrible I'm not flag. sure what Warren's referring to, but he said that's actually not true. So I'm not sure what he's referring to. It might be the merles so that it's not lethal. I have owned white well, boxers and they were totally fine. I didn't say they were oh, all born that way. I just heard there was an increased <laughs> chance and they told me that many breeders do not want them. But that's also like, I mean, uh, you can have albino boas that are normal and then you can have like my goofy ass one in there that was born with giant bug eyes. Right. With the most amazing color of any of well, my albinos. That's like our palmetto corns. We have like four of them that are perfectly normal and one that's like. With the big old bug eyes. Big old bug eyes. But he's grown into them now. <laughs> he's growing into his growing eyes. into his eyes so hopefully <laughs> he said i remember a guy at tinley once that was selling palmettos uh he was selling heads and then like you got a 50 percent off a of palmetto but he, all he had was these giant bug-eyed palmettos like mm-hmm. yeah i'd offer those off for discount as well they look yep. stupid <laughs> he says they go against the breed uh, standards and as such they get labeled at i gotcha makes sense so i'm gonna tell you some dog breeders are there's some fucked up people too man i bought a horse one time i don't know probably 15 years ago from a guy up in uh, north northeast side of houston way out in the country and uh he had me walk to the back of his pride i heard a bunch of barking and he had me walk to the back to get a halter or something so i could walk this horse around and he had probably 
250 Yorkies in rabbit cages. Holy shit. That's not good. And then he was going to hold that horse for me for a week because I didn't have the trailer. So I paid him half for the, for the horse. And just took, and took the horse. Well, I came back a week later. This is when I was a cop. I came back a week later, paid for the horse. And as I'm pulling out, we had Houston SPCA <laughs> and the Grimes County Sheriff's <laughs> Office pulling in because those dogs were in terrible conditions. And I found out, too, that he drugged that horse before I got there because I rode that horse around for an hour and he was perfectly fine. And when I got him home, he tried to fucking kill me. Every day for a month until I sold him to somebody else. Because he got his owner arrested. Yeah. Jerk. I would yeah. just like to say as somebody who's been involved in dog rescue for over a decade, that was a very satisfying story to listen to. Yep. <laughs> Warren said only a Southerner would say, I bought this horse one day. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, He's going to go off and be true. like a, a real Yankee now. That's true. Oh. Going back to this. Oh, so uh, Ryan Cox also said sex in green tree python babies, genetic testing for retic hybridization, which we talked about, and testing to see uh, the sex for monitors and lychee geckos. So that would. Um, oh, Sean Gray said albinism strain identification, which would be cool in a lot of species because there's a lot, a lot of species that have several different versions of albino, and especially like boas, sharp and call look very similar mm-hmm. in some cases. And it's like the albino and lavender albino in ball pythons. It's- yeah. I mean, you can't really tell it apart. Well, it was like uh, JT was telling me about he had a, one of the versions of albino for a boa, and then he had a supposed het for that same version, bred it together, and every snake looked normal. And come to find out that they were two different strains of albino. Warren said they have retic locale studies underway as well. Why aren't you Man, fancy, that's Warren? That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Warren's all special. Yeah, he's smarter than both of us put together, so... That's true. But I, I'm, I'm okay accepting that. Oh, yeah. Me too. I mean, I'm not. There's no. Travis is too. And I still make fun of him on a daily basis. Right. So I can make fun of smart people. Uh, Sean Grace also said allelic combinations, heterozygous gene identification. Uh, there's a whole lot of things. I know a lot of stuff has come from with leopard geckos. Originally, he bred leopard geckos. And there's a lot of confusion in some of those. In collaboration with Garrett Hartle. Oh, well, Garrett does have a lot of locale stuff, so that'd be the person to go to for locale retic stuff. I mean, if you buy a super dwarf retic, at some point it probably came through Garrett Hartle. There's a good chance. Yeah. Or the person's lying to you and it's not really a super dwarf and you wonder why your super dwarf got 15 foot long. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> why is my super dwarf eight foot in a year? Dax and Taylor have some gorgeous animals, and I'm not a retic guy. But my wife this weekend, she's like, I think I want to get no. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we got Doomerals Boas. They're big enough. I wasn't a retic person either. In fact, when I first started keeping snakes, I was like, you know, like nothing over four feet. That's good. And now I'm like, I can definitely fit a 12 foot snake in this room. 100%. <laughs> My husband's throat. Have, <laughs> have you ever cleaned up a retic shit? I haven't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, I've cleaned up some really terrible animal shit. So I feel like a retic. All right. So here's is, what you do. Like challenge. Accepted. Here's what I need you to do. Go home. Tell your husband the next time he needs a shit, just do it in the corner of the living room. Just right there in the corner of the living room and then walk away. <laughs> and then you have to find it and then you have to clean it up. Yep. That's can, can you be okay with that? I've had that experience with a dog who had diarrhea in my house. Yeah, me too. That's <laughs> yeah. a step better than with your husband, though. And, <laughs> yeah. my, and my dog is the size of a small horse, so... You do have yeah, a large dog. Yeah, I have big-ass dogs. Um... 
Richard Valdez, who was also in the chat earlier, said uh, gender testing because skinks are ridiculous to sex and testing for hets, which we've talked about, the gender testing uh, for, for blue tongues, which y'all have done. Um, there was blue tongues. It looks sh- good. It's, it's not validated yet, but it's. But it's you're working. close. Yeah. Yeah, I awesome. saw some blue tongues at the show this weekend that I really wanted. And, and still in my mind, yeah, I'm like. Yeah, those northerns? Yes. Yeah, they were ridiculous. I will, I will own one. I can't own two because. You know, it'd be nice to be like, oh, we can genetically test these so you can make sure you don't put males to males. But it doesn't matter because the males will still rip the female's leg off at some point just for shits and giggles oh, wow. and then still fuck her. Like that's yeah, it's crazy, man. It's brutal. I've watched some videos of blue tongue breeding and it is horrifying. Yeah. Like he's supposed to bite her on the back of the neck, Ooh. but a miss <laughs> and grab her by the leg and then she'll spin and then she'll death roll and pop and the leg off <laughs> leg on. I'm so glad I'm not a lizard. Right. <laughs> yeah. You see, look at the way some of the snakes breed. I mean, they grab by the back of the neck and just like it's. It's weird how that became the evolutionary step for breeding. Like, hey, uh, basically just go rape that thing. I mean, yeah. And it worked. Okay, before I forget my question, actually, you mentioned, um, you said it's not validated yet. So what, what is actually the process for having your research validated for all of these? Because so I, I, I'm assuming that, like, you know, obviously you can only do genetic testing on species that you have information on so what exactly like what does that look like so for for me that's the the process that i go through it's the same thing i do with my full-time job i'll i'll uh, come up with a test i'll design it order it and use it and see if it works if it works then that's great that it worked once or two or three times um, but you can't trust it until you test it like 50 or 100 times the old scientific method and is that all like completely different samples yeah so with the pieds i have pied or het pied samples from probably two dozen different people at least um, that have sent sheds into me and then i have a couple of breeders one breeder in particular he sent me 140 pieds all pieds (laughs) so he's got lots of animals wow um so i haven't run all of his but I, I just have to have something and, and it's nice for them to be for this specific validation. I, I want them to be as unrelated as possible. So if there happens to be a pied that somebody has that, cause you know, the pied gene is potentially thousands. I don't, it's defect, but I don't, I haven't, I don't remember how many uh, base pairs it is, but it could be two or 3000 base pairs and you just have a single base change somewhere in that that can lead to a knock you know making that gene not work or a knockout and or changing it so that it changes color or something like that um, so it's possible that there would be another change somewhere else in the dna that my test isn't designed for that would still cause it to be piebald but my test would call it not het for piebald because it's not where i'm looking and so I want to test a whole bunch of unrelated ones just to make sure that my test covers all of the potential changes that lead to piebald. Like with Ultramel and with Albino and ball pythons, we know there's at least two different genetic changes that lead to those mutations. And so I, I just wanted to know for sure that piebald was going to be the same way, that lavender albino will be the same way in my hands with all the samples that I can get. Any of the others that we'll do, you know, as we get clown and desert ghost and, you know, some of these others, I'll want to run, you know, 50 to 100 known samples and make sure for me, one of the most important things for me is if I give somebody a test result is that they can trust that test result. It's if it's if I'm the one in charge of designing and running the test, 
I gave you that result, there's a really good reason why I gave you that result. Do you ever, um, I mean, obviously, you know, people have to send you in their samples in order for you to do the testing. Is there any, like, do you only work with like specific breeders and zoos or do you like put the word out? Hey, I'm looking for information on these, you know, types of genetics. If you have sheds that, you know, may relate to this project, send them in to me. I mean, where do you tend to find your samples? That's a great question. And that's the powerful thing about me being in, you know, breeding pythons for the last 20 years. I, I do have, you know, many people over the years and I'm so grateful to them that when I say, Hey, like, just these last couple of weeks, I said, Hey, I'm ready for blue tongue skink sheds. And all of a sudden I've got a dozen people collecting sheds for me and sending them in. Um, sometimes I do just say it, you know, in our Facebook or, or uh, Instagram, or, you know, I, I might say, Hey, like at, at one point I said, Hey, we're looking for pied and lavender albino sheds. And then I only needed to say that for a week or two. And then all of a sudden I had so many that I, you know, stopped saying that because I've got plenty <laughs> to be able to run. Um, so thankfully, there's a lot of people that have, especially going back to the Morelia Python forums days, people back then that, you know, have known I kind of through this whole journey of trying to develop genetic tests and in, in reptiles, if they themselves or they know someone, they'll they'll jump on it and get sheds to me as quick as they can. I've got lots and lots of sheds saved back that I've had for years and I'm starting to pull some of them out for species that I didn't know if I was going to get to, but we're getting to do more and more different species. But um, if you have anyone listening to this, if you have a, you know, more of a rare reptile species, um, feel free to reach out to me and say, Hey, I've got these, you know, had somebody talking about sunbeam snakes and they wanted to send some samples in. Yeah. I don't, I've never run anything on any sunbeam snakes, so I'll happily take them and, <laughs> You know, once I have a half dozen or something, you know, that might be all I need. I don't necessarily need 200 sunbeam snake samples, but, <laughs> but yeah, that for sure. Feel free to reach out to me. Um, if it's, you know, a piebald ball python, I do not need any more of those. <laughs> Good. That's a Hardin County yeah. Herps in our chat. So they've got a likely pair of Varanus Salvador. So uh, water monitors, if you need samples, the male has shown that it is a male. Yeah. If it's a known sex. Yeah. Yeah. Do you need any more doomerals bows? Um, if it, if the doom rules has some really good, um, paperwork, like, yeah. you know, yeah. ancestry information. Yes. Um, if it's just one that you bought from a breeder, yeah, you no, know, not yet. Um, because I'm still working that out to, okay. to be able to tell for sure. I've got some, some good, some microsatellite, uh, data that seems to show some separation between the two and the mitochondrial, uh, Oh, sorry, I'm getting more nerdy. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. Um, so, so I do have some of that that testing worked out, but it's not to a point yet where I'd be ready to run, um, you know, and be able to tell somebody if something is a cross for sure or if it's pure. I can't do that yet, but I'm on the way there. I'm very interested to see how that goes, just because. So, whenever importing for Madagascar opens, because it opens and closes depending on who's in charge of the government at whatever time. And you can tell when it does because you'll see huge influx of things from Madagascar that mm -hmm. come in. Um, be very interested to see because you don't see a ton of Madagascan ground boas labeled as Madagascan ground boas, at least in the hobby. So I wonder how many have come in labeled Doomrolls boas and just sold out as Doomrolls boas over and over again to people and have now spread throughout the hobby. And you have so many of these hybrids, not just Madagascan ground boas and Doomrolls boas. 
because they've got to come in when these when these importing windows open up. Yeah, um, I have something on a different subject that's kind of exciting. Go for it. Viftech just announced that they're launching their smart monitor this weekend at Tinley. Oh shit. That's pretty freaking awesome where you'll be able to. What is that? So, so he's still, I'm not going to say because he's probably told us more than he's put out, but basically you'll be able to monitor everything from an app and, or possibly control, control. everything from an app, including your thermostats. And because now he has the, uh, LED UVB bulbs, which is a huge changer, but now he also has also dimmable, dimmable LED UVB bulbs. So you can set them to ramp up sunrise, down, sunrise and sunset, sunset. and. That's exciting. Dude, he, Ryan and Erica are changing the game. I'm excited because I haven't moved my Euromastics over to the bulb yet. I'm waiting until I need to replace the current bulb. <clears throat> but I would love something dimmable. Like they literally announced it five her. minutes ago. Sweet. That's cool. Yeah, he's got nice. some, some big plans. Oh. I'm oh. excited. Eventually, I will have everybody on VivTech bulbs. I freaking love them. Dude, they're, they're an amazing product. Yeah. Oh, I love them. They're awesome. Okay, my- Anytime people start talking about like, oh, you shouldn't be using coil bulbs. I'm like, they're not coil bulbs. Yeah. Go research. These are awesome. Yeah. Then you have to be careful because you have people go, well, LED bulbs don't work. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go with Ryan on this one. Ryan had four different uh, meters there and we tested them all. The small, yeah. They were all the same. Yeah. So that's cool. That'd, that'd be an awesome thing. Uh, I know because his eventual goal is really to be able to have that whole, you know, Talking about Madagascar, if Madagascar has certain temperature this time of year and sunrise at this time and sunset at this time, you'd be able to set your chameleon's cage from Madagascar to be just like Madagascar at that moment in time, which would be really cool. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So sweet. Am I going to Tinley? Go by the VivTech table and check it out. Take pictures and show I us. I wish I was going. Me too. Not this time. One of these days I'll go to Tinley. I went right before the, I went to the last Tinley before it all got shut down. And then I have not been back. I've not been yet, but we will probably later this year. Yeah, it's an awesome show. Oh, one other person commented on here for the testing. Ashley Howdy over at uh, Focus Cubed Cages said, more widespread and accurate PCR virus genetic testing. I don't know if y'all do any of that sort of stuff or or that, but she says she spent thousands on tests for one of her monitors over the years, and it's likely nothing that can be done because it may not even be viral, but nobody can say for sure. Yeah, the... The reason why I've stayed away from viral testing is some of them are RNA viruses, and RNA is a pain in the butt to deal with compared to DNA. So I don't like going down that route. I like staying with DNA. That's, DNA is my friend. RNA is evil. <laughs> Keep that one single-stranded shit out of here. <laughs> and uh, just just in general, I, I don't have a, a real good handle on virus and you know bacteria and uh, I. When I was part of Australian Addiction Reptiles, Justin Julander, yeah. he's a virologist, and so you know we we talked several times about things like that. I know he knows now that Nido's more of a an issue. He's been a big part of some of that research and work. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of outside of my my strengths. What's your favorite DNA project that you've worked on? Either favorite or like, um, what's the coolest one that you've worked on? The coolest one, which some of you may have seen in the news, um, the the pig heart transplant that went into a, a human. He mm-hmm. just passed, right? That was the guy. Yeah, he passed away. So that was a pig that I helped do the genetic edits and the embryology for. That's oh, wow. Cool. So it wasn't just someone's pig of off pig. of a farm? 
<laughs> that's cool. Then you just <laughs> nope. Then you get old man, expensive pig. old that's man cool. Williams pig off the farm, and <laughs> I did. I just, so I that was, just that, that was story. a pretty, pretty special and exciting thing that was, uh, you know, went around the world. That's gonna make a difference, and we already have, you know, many different places you know, around the world people that want to use our genetics, and so that's a, a pretty. Uh, life-changing thing because there's yeah i think they said on average 17 people a day in the united states that die because they can't get a an organ and if we can start producing organs in pigs that have had their immune system changed so it's more human-like and we can use those as as transplants at least to bridge people over for a year or two till they can get a human one or or maybe even last longer then obviously that's gonna be pretty life-changing for a lot of people what is it about pigs specifically that make them good candidates their heart looks like, like ours Does it's it really cool i did a fetus or a wow. pig fetus when i was in high school and you open it it's like a little tiny human heart mm-hmm. oh wow see i i so dissected it's... a frog <laughs> that does not look like ours that is not like ours at all that's a lot different not as many chambers yeah um so yeah pigs the size first of all um second of all they uh the fact that they're not a primate is good because diseases that affect pigs are less likely to overlap with what would affect a human there are still some zoonotic so something that would would infect a pig that could also infect a human there are some but it's a lot less than if you were doing like monkey or baboon or chimpanzee uh, transplants there'd be a lot more uh, diseases we'd have to worry about Um, and then also the fact that Pigs are amazing at reproduction. So they their yes, generation they interval, the the amount of time between having babies and then the large litter size, you know, it's just kind of almost everything is in line for pig being the the perfect organ donor for humans. Plus, if you get it to work, every time you save a life, you get bacon. <laughs> it's, it's the best way to sell that one. We we saved your life. Here's your pound of bacon from the pig that helped save your life. Like that'd be your exiting thing. Okay, what Ben said was super interesting. Bacon's always interesting. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and on the bacon side of things, one of the edits that we made so that uh, pig cells wouldn't be rejected by the human body is the, the edit that was needed for people that have meat allergies. So we actually are able to offer uh, pork for people that have uh, alpha-gal syndrome. Oh, wow. um, so that's especially a problem on the East Coast, but that is spreading. Um, we have actually we sent some meat out to a, a person in California who had gotten bit by a tick there. So it's it's a tick bite that then causes you to be allergic to to I've heard of that uh, red meat. We have the Lone Star tick here in Texas. Yep. And that's the one that does it. Yep, Lone Star tick is one of the main ones. So you're telling me there's something in this state that could cause me not to eat bacon? Could cause you to not eat any red meat. Fuck this state. I'd starve to death. Cause you, yep. Yeah, it could cause you to go into anaphylactic mm-hmm. shock. I, would, I have found a Lone Star tick on myself after hunting before, and it hadn't attached yet. And I'm like chicken everywhere. Like, no, if I can't eat meat, I'm just going to die. I would starve to death. I yeah. don't eat vegetables. Right. Fun fact, I am neurotically terrified of ticks, like to the point where if I think... If I have seen one on me, I will get down on my hands and knees and I will inspect the floor looking for them. <laughs> I am absolutely terrified oh, I've, of them. I've cleaned. Thank you. Now I have something else. I'm super scared now of actually getting bit by a ticket. I mean, I, I've cleaned. I mean, I've, I've processed conservatively a thousand deer and pigs in my life. And uh, you're there, you know, if 
it's the early part of deer season or any time in the summer, they're covered in ticks. I'm covered never in them. going to want to go hiking again. We actually take uh, now, especially on pigs in the, in the summertime when we shoot them, if we're going to, uh, you know, like when I used to guide a lot, uh, wash the whole damn thing in Dawn dish soap. I mean, I just coat them uh, with Dawn and then wash them and there'll be 200 ticks on the ground dead. I'm going to be itchy. I'm, I'm not afraid of ticks, out. but I am I am Ugh. greatly afraid of not being able to eat bacon for the rest of my life. Oh, I'm, There's Jason I'm, Brumley. Yeah. I'm terrified. So, permethrin, treat your clothes when you're mm-hmm. going out and do Always. Oh, fuck tick yeah. check. Make sure you I must spray myself down. I permethrin my snake boots every time I go hunting. I spray them down with permethrin. And, uh, but, you know, some of the ticks, they, they sit on, like, branches and stuff, and they're looking for a host to walk under, and they'll drop on you. So... Yeah. This I, is horrifying. Yeah. I'm so glad that I joined yeah. y'all tonight. Yep. So glad. Um, there's <laughs> a, 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 a very popular podcast called the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Um, a guy named Cable Smith does it. And it's it's a hunting-centric podcast. A couple of years ago, he had a lady on who was an entomologist who studies the Lone Star Tick. So I listened to that one, and I learned a whole lot about, about that. See, problem. And you yeah. ruined it. I thought Ben's great news about being able to edit the pig's DNA was that he, he made the pig taste like maple, so you get maple flavored bacon. <laughs> but yeah, no, but at least hey, if you get you know infected by the Lone Star tick, that's your hero right there because you could still eat bacon because he's he's yeah. helped develop a pig that you could still eat. We've we've gotten some really moving letters from people that have gone you know twenty twenty five years without being able. Some some of them can't even smell it. So they can't go to like barbecues. Oh God! There's one guy who his whole life dream was to own a restaurant, and now he can't even be within smelling range of his restaurant. Otherwise, he you know reacts, and we're able to send these people bacon and ham that they can eat, and then you know they're very emotional. It's 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 amazing. I mean, never to be able to eat another pulled pork sandwich. So when I had COVID and couldn't taste anything for several days, I'm like, this is the shit that'll make you commit suicide. Like this is the shit that'll send you into deep spiraling depression. And I have some friends who've been a year now and can't taste. I I couldn't imagine. Well, why couldn't the tick be like, Oh no, you get bit by this tick and you can no longer eat kale. I'll be good. (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) Right. You know, last night I practicing for that for my whole life. (laughs) Last night I had a dream that I was bitten by a copperhead and I had to go to the hospital. And then there was like a murder. And, and then Dr. Spencer Green <laughs> saved your life. Okay, but he was actually in the dream, <laughs> except that he was like super short and had these like weird buck teeth. It was, it was. That is not what he looks like, but okay. It was bizarre. I know it was bizarre. I had wine. It Weird dreams when I have wine. But now tonight, I'm really looking forward to the uh, horrifying nightmare. Megan's going gonna be to be messaging us at 3 a.m. About these tics. She's like, are yes, you sure I can still eat asshole. meat? <laughs> <sighs> oh, that is. That is I'm, horrifying. It's going to be itchy forever now. Mm-hmm. And I get really bad reactions to poison ivy. So Me too. I have to, if I'm out, I just got to be on really wide paths. I grew up in Utah and there's not as much vegetation. There's not as many ticket, ticks and not as much poison ivy. But here in Virginia, I just have to stay away from the plants, which thankfully keeps me away from a lot of the ticks. <laughs> just stay inside. I'm, I'm, I'm almost at that point now. I'm horrified to go outside now. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have, here not so much. It's more in hill country, Edwards Plateau area. So like out where I'd want to go herping. No, that's West Texas. <laughs> okay, okay, West Texas, you just have to worry about you know seven different species of rattlesnake and not cool giant redhead centipedes. I'm and, okay with that. Not, yeah, cool not the centipedes, but the rattlesnake. The worst that happens yeah. there is I could die. 
The tick, though, on the other hand, right. will keep me from just eating make bacon. Make you want to die. Make you want to. Yeah. So that, that's that's a huge difference. Oh my god. What yeah, part desert of- places you're going to be good? Excellent. What part of Virginia are you in? Um, right by Virginia Tech. So okay. we're uh, about a half an hour from Roanoke. We're right by oh, Blacksburg. We're my parents are just moving away from Virginia in like two or three weeks. They they my mother is from um, Withful, Virginia. Oh yeah, what yeah. It's right a it's a stop off the interstate. It's okay. that's I used to like live in Northern Virginia. Yeah, my my uh, in laws. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, they right uh next to the with border with county border. They're uh they they moved up there a couple years ago and now they're moving back down to Alabama. But I, I know that part the that part of Virginia. Yeah. But uh, so going uh to some of the things that got posted on our on our Facebook group page. Uh, Max shared a thing from the. Uh, I'm gonna screw this up. Cell, yeah, I can't want to say Asplendia, but that's like Travis's I, stupid plant that his email is after. Right. And uh, but it was the Asclepius snake bite snake bite foundation. That's what Brent. Brent, yeah, Brent, Brent from Venom Life. That money goes to help them. They're opening up a clinic, uh, which is very interesting. They're almost they're almost ready. They've got air conditioning, which is a big thing over there, and it's going to be able to train doctors from the entire area on how to do this. They're going to have affordable anti-venom, which we still don't have affordable anti-venom in the United States for the most part. So at least they'll have it over there for them. But uh, I was just talking about how that they're getting ready to be able to open this up. It was really cool. So people, if you want to do that, you can still donate to the Asclepius snake bite foundation and help them out. Um, They also too, I can't find that post in the group that you're referring to, but if you have any um, like electric, gently used electronics that you want to recycle, like phones, tablets, laptops, things like that, um, you can mail it to them, and they will re. Sorry, you can mail it to them, and they will refurbish those electronics to use in the clinics. Oh wow! Yeah, um, I have a couple of tablets I could send them. I have the address somewhere. I'll I, find it. I bet Brent can help you figure that yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, but I talked um, to him like. Four times a week. So. Yeah. I was, Did you see this giant diamond python that Brian McDowell? The black one? That black one? It's yes. So I, I now follow I the reptile that. bloke because he has some cool stuff that he finds over there. That yeah. thing is ridiculous. Ben, you saw that one? That's Yeah. That is an impressive diamond. Yeah. That I would bo- love to have that. So that we don't get to have. <laughs> right. That it's, right. We can just view it from a distance. So jealous. Uh, Do you see? Also, got posted, there's a new... Uh, a new copycat for Morph Market. Yeah. Uh, I rep- didn't even give them a click. <laughs> Reptify. And like even they even kind of stole the tagline from Morph Market. And John, and John Lehman commented. <laughs> John Lehman commented. Like, yeah, they stole his tagline. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm sure that one will do well. Whatever. <laughs> uh, just going through. Oh. It might because you gave him a shout out. That's true. That's I screwed it up for John Lehman. <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> uh, I think he's doing okay. <laughs> I think he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did post this picture or uh, this video of a fish tank in Saudi, I don't know, Saudi Jeddah Airport, but it's a fucking three-story like, fish, yeah, a massive fucking fish tank in the middle of this airport. I can't imagine how thick that acrylic's got to be to hold that kind of. I pressure. can't imagine making my flight. Right. <laughs> I would stop. I would just stop and watch sharks swim around. Yeah. But then I looked. At it, I was like, you know, they can do that. This is, you're talking about an area of the world where they can build fucking islands if they want. They can put the ocean inside of an airport. They're all right. They can do that. I mean, you look, that handrail is about four foot tall. Yeah. That's, that's a three-story three story fish tank that is in the middle of an airport. I can't imagine the amount of pressure that is on that acrylic at the bottom. It's got to be eight inches thick. More. I'm sure it's more. Yeah. But yeah. 
That was that, I saw that in an aquarium group, I think. And I was like, holy shit, that's an insane aquarium. Uh, there's also the video that's been floating around all over the place of the hairy snake. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen that one, Ben, of the hairy snake. That haven't. You haven't seen it? I missed that. It's, it looks like this green, shaggy, hairy snake. but uh, It's a puff-faced water it, snake. It's a puff. Well, yeah. Uh, According to Ryan McVeigh. Ryan McVeigh commented. He says it's a puff-faced water snake covered in moss. It's this very hair-like moss on the entire body of this thing. Um, wow. And the, the, the funny thing is the video is like, we're not sure what it is. I'm like, you have it in captivity. You can't figure it. It's right there. You can figure out what it is. Just pick the fucker up and figure out what it is. It looks like something out of Sesame Street. Well, it's obvious it's a snake because you can, one, see the tongue coming out of its mouth. And two, you can see the moss, like, flaking off the body as they mess with it. So Ryan Cox says some people say eight inches is enough. <laughs> so that guy coming into California from Mexico had 43 horned lizards and nine snakes in his pants. In his pants. So do you think they asked him, is that a snake in your pants? Are you happy to see me? Yeah. In your crotchal area. <laughs> <laughs> Why does your crotch smell that bad? What is it's crazy? Oh, oh! Ryan Gosler posted an article about gharials, which was very interesting. I read it. Um, they had found some crocodilian skeletons in China, and for the longest time, they just assumed they were crocodiles. But after doing some studies, they realized they were actually gharials that were probably there up to three hundred years ago, and that they have been uh, eradicated due to because like, they found one that the head looks like it had been chopped off by humans, like it had been chopped repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And they figured also they've lost a lot of land due to rice paddies. They lost a lot of habitat. And so they think they've been there up to 300 years ago. And the article is interesting. It talks about how alligators split from cro- from alligators split from crocodiles earlier than gharials split from crocodiles. Uh, which is interesting because alligators and crocodiles look far more alike than our gharial does to anything. Yeah. But that was very interesting to see that. They, they have now figured out these species of uh, – these skeletons were actually gharials and not crocodiles. So I actually read one scientific thing. To, I, I was tired. I read one scientific article and I was done. I couldn't make it anymore. Uh, Travis Post, I need to listen to this one. It's a wave. It's a podcast. It's the um, Snake Talk podcast. And they talk about how there's been a decline in tropical snakes due to the decline in amphibians because of chytrid fungus. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming, I haven't listened to it yet. I should have just asked Travis to give me a rundown, but I'm assuming it's a loss of food would be the biggest problem because the chytrid is not affecting the snakes. But if you lose the food. Which I'm sure many of these snakes are eating frogs there. That's an issue. I have to throw that one on my to listen to tomorrow. I love the podcast, but I haven't listened to that episode yet. A lot of good ones on there. Mm-hmm. They, they talk about way smarter stuff than us usually. Uh, oh, this person was in a photo contest. They had this heron trying to steal a frog from a snake, mm-hmm. which is a cool photo. But not nearly as cool as the one that was shot like five, uh, five miles from here. Yeah. <laughs> of the mud snake trying to get out of the mouth of the bird as the bird was swallowing it. Yeah, that that was so cool. And all I could think the whole time was, I fucking hate that bird. Yeah. I can't find a mud snake. And here it is eating one. Just fucking eating a mud snake. I don't know. I found uh, two DORs and the one I accidentally killed in East Texas. No. Driving uh, through a mud hole in our deer lease we used to hunt it. And I hit, I was being a little stupid and hit the water really fast. That sucks. And I saw the snake fly out because I knocked him out of the water with the, the skid guard. And before I could stop, I ran over him with the, the mule. Rude. I have only found one bad. dead adult and I found one dead baby at a rest stop once at a, on the inside of the interstate. I have found none because they don't want to be my friend. I, ha- I, I have a place that if I get back on that lease, we can go, you can go up there with a net 
and run it through. There's about 20 of these mud holes on the road and you're going to find a dozen of them and amphiuma and sirens and sweet. I bet Cotton if I, mouse and I bet if I went with you, there would be none. Right, there would just be no no <laughs> herbs that day. You don't get to go because right. let me tell we'll send you, you pictures. how much time I spend out at Brazos Bend, and do you know how many snakes I find out there? Zero. So James and I did not go herping yesterday because I just didn't have time. And our our friend that was going to show us, mm-hmm. he ended up not being able to go to the afternoon. Um, he immediately found a speckled king yesterday. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah, of course. I go out there. I don't see anything. Nothing. I see trash. I see seagulls. <laughs> uh, Lacey X stuff. We had someone in the chat earlier asking about Lacey X stuff. Uh, Dallas Rua did post a FAQ from US ARCS page about the Lacey Act. If you want to go there, read a bunch of the mm-hmm. uh, frequently asked questions. But right now, we're still just kind of in a, uh, a holding pattern because we're waiting for them to get back to yep. DC and make decisions that hopefully well, help us. Uh, apparently, they're back because Are they back? the. Daylight savings bill passed the Senate today to do away with daylight savings time. Sweet. They need to go ahead and clear that one up. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. I'm done with that. It's so one of the few things Arizona did right. With that, there'll be some months out of the year where sunrise won't, won't be until 830. You know what? I'm fine with that. I'm yeah. cool with that. That I'm means that the sun that. won't set until right. late too. So I just want, I want to leave it the way that it is now. I like how that's, more that's, Yeah, it was 7 o'clock and there was sunlight outside and you could do stuff. Yes. yes. That's how they I want to do that. it. And That's, I don't, I don't know if it was because of the pandemic or what, but well, this last like time change, the like before going into winter, whatever. Yep. Man, that, I I used to work for a rough. for a, a a home remodel company um, that was based out of Phoenix, mm-hmm. and anytime we'd have want to make a purchase at Home Depot or anything, we'd have to do a phone sale. Well, when they're on their stupid non daylight savings time, I say stupid because we're <laughs> on it. I couldn't buy anything till ten a.m. Ugh. during those months because they're not in the office until freaking 10 o'clock. So yes, we all need to be on the same, yeah, you know, thing. I agree. I'm, I, I've said for years that it's ridiculous and farmers can just wake up whenever the hell they want to wake up. I don't stop ruining it for everybody else. <laughs> but so the whole reason, Oh, and uh, the whole reason I, I reached out to you is I watched uh, Ed and Emily came to y'all's place on snake discovery and they were talking to y'all. And I was like, and as soon as I heard doom worlds, I was like, Ooh, I like Doomerals both. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, <laughs> James got one, so my wife got seven. Yeah, that's <laughs> a weird thing. I was like, I really like Doomerals. I got one. Rachel's like, I like one. I'm going to get seven. <laughs> they are pretty. Oh, yeah, that one she got this weekend is that's awesome. gorgeous, man. I need Came a, from DNT Retix, actually. I need to probe that and see if it's male or female. Yeah. Because it feels kind of female ish. Yeah, but yeah, I don't care either way. <laughs> Well, it's like you have a male. As long as you have a male, you can have 15 females. It doesn't matter. So what is on the horizon? What is the next thing you're like, ooh, we got to try and do this? Next thing you want to try and get a test for? Um, They're, they're kind of all spread out in different stages. So um, the, I'm definitely excited about the blue tongue skink and uh, pythons, ball pythons, green tree pythons, and hopefully it will work in other pythons as well. Um, so sex determination and all of those. Um, the the uh, Madagascan boas and the, the panther chameleon locales those those are fun. Uh, I'm enjoying working on those and figuring that out and what all we can say and how to improve it. Um, something I haven't touched yet um, probably heloderma and varanid <laughs> sex determination. I'm looking forward to playing with those. That'll be fun. And then obviously all the morph stuff. So not only with ball pythons, but it'd be nice to be able to do it in hog noses and corn snakes and 
you know, just kind of look at various things like that. I'd also love to be able to have um, more of like an identity test that we could use to look at uh, across various different species of captive bred animals and kind of see, you know, how inbred various and how, how crossed, you know, like maybe a Honduran milk snake, you know, how many different species or subspecies are, are in the, what are kind of the hobby Hondurans. Um, there's a lot of different things that would be fun to, to play with uh, once we can do some more things with the genetics and, you know, scrubs. I love scrubs. That would be really cool to, to do some work with scrubs too. Corns would be interesting since there's no normal corn snakes left in the entire world. <laughs> like that, that'd be a, just cause someone could send you a shed from a normal and you'll have like 15 heads hidden in there. I'm like, here you go. Here's your now normal corn snake with its 15 heads. Yep. Yeah. Kind of like there's no normal ball pythons. Because if you buy a ball python at PetSmart or Petco, it's het something because it was some breeder's trash ball python that was normal. They're like, all right, wholesale them off to PetSmart Petco. Because mm-hmm. I've seen so many breeders are like, ah, I'd just sell all my hets as normals and wholesale them and get rid of them. I'm thinking, man, imagine what people have just sitting yeah. in their cages at home. Well, uh, I forget who it was. It's talking about how they sold off an entire clutch of acid head acids because they couldn't prove that they were hit so they sold them but somebody out there got a bunch of head acids that thought they only had a normal so if they ever managed to pair them up they'd get some very expensive snakes and apparently that's uh, pretty common yeah so that that will definitely change the hobby it'll it'll well and the fact that someone could have a triple or quadruple head which would be worth quite a bit mm-hmm. and then they go look it is a triple or quadruple i've got paperwork to prove that it is and so it's got to be crazy to you, Ben, that this is an actual business now. Because I've got to imagine when you entered into the field of genetics, you're like, oh, I like genetics. And then we entered into the hobby of reptile. You'd be like, I just like reptiles. But I don't know if you ever thought that it could truly be this kind of a business at some point that could really run. I mean, there's a ton of breeders out there who could use this. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fun to, to watch it get, you know, I've been doing the the Kluber sex determination test for a, a little over three years now and just to see that I really haven't done much advertising um obviously having Ed and Emily come that was giant yes. <laughs> yeah so since they come they came I'm getting piles of envelopes now <laughs> um, so that's great um so yeah I mean it's it's fun not only because I love genetic testing I love reptiles but also to be able to give people the opportunity to learn more about the animal they're keeping so they can look at the DNA, which obviously I'm biased and and love that and have always been interested in that side of it. But you can look at the DNA and know more about the animal that you have. I I love making that uh, possible for people. Okay. I just want to take a bet that he has one. We'll see. Do you have a sticker, t-shirt, or button somewhere of Mr. DNA from Jurassic Park? Somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> I don't, but I oh. definitely have Jurassic Park stuff. I just don't have that specific one. The, uh, That's probably my, my favorite movie of all time. And earlier when you were talking about retic dumps, I was going to say, you know, think about Jurassic Park. <laughs> That's one massive pile of shit. So. Yeah. <laughs> I've always watched that movie, seen the giant pile of shit, and then look at the, the Triceratops it's supposed to come from. I'm like, That's higher than its asshole. I don't know how that works. <laughs> But yeah. that's one of those movies where, like, as a geneticist, you have to go, that's an awesome movie. But that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Crichton did Crichton did a really good job. I, I 
if you as a you know with a scientist hat on read his books you know he he did a good job i i felt i guess maybe i'm i'm biased because i grew up reading Crichton stuff um it's not as much of a stretch as some other authors. That's <laughs> there true. are other authors that are harder for me to read because it's way more of a stretch. Because they probably never talked to any sort of scientist and you're just like, I'm just going to write whatever I think science does. <laughs> That's what I love uh, in the newer uh, The Lost World movies that where they try to cover their ass because we now know that Velociraptors had feathers. And they're like, it's because we mixed it with frog DNA. And they just leave it there. Like, <laughs> good cover. Good cover. Way to go. <laughs> Way to, go. Way to go. We learned more stuff and we didn't actually know it back then. But Yeah, the newer ones, none of them are as good as that first one. That no. first one is, is almost a religious experience to watch. The others, some of them are okay, but that first one was the stuff. I, I'll, yeah. I'll probably watch this last one that's coming out just, for, it's got the originals. just for nostalgia it's because yeah. they're coming back. But any, oh, anything I'll after the first one, it. I'm like, whatever. The third I, one is I, garbage. I the third oh, one is absolute garbage. Where they bring the T Rex into New York or whatever. No, 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 no. That's the second one. I like that's Lost World. I like Lost World. It's a Jeff Jeff Goldblum. I like Jeff Goldblum, yeah. but it's the one where it's just the Doctor and they go to the island to save the boy. Oh yeah, and it's it's not good. Yeah, it's but got William H Macy in it. Yes. Yeah. I still get goosebumps every time in the first one where they get to the island. They're driving along oh, the yeah. jeep and they first see the brontosaurus oh, yeah. and the music plays and that music. Oh yeah, oh, every That's time. The best part. Oh, the score is yeah. absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Every time, yeah. love that movie. It's like, almost brings a tear to my eye. Just imagine the feeling that you would have as a, as an archaeologist and you're experiencing that. I just love the like, so he's standing there with the dinosaurs and he finds out that they have a t-rex and his first thought isn't fucking where because that'd have been my thought is like <laughs> where but his first thought was you have to and he wants to see it i'm like look around just make sure it's not there right because there's a dinosaur in front of you and there's like 15 over there no one told you if it's locked up or not right that that whole thing that's every time i see they talk about bringing back extinct animals or dna wise like we have a whole basis for not doing it guys yep we've, <laughs> we've seen where certain situations would not work see and to me it's totally worth it. 100%. That's a good way to go out. <laughs> yeah, get Just, me on an island by myself, and the opportunity to really do that—that's the good way to go. <laughs> Death by Velociraptor. Sign me up. Um. So you, you, and I kind of been in the hobby the same amount of time. Early two thousands and all, you really got into it because you talked about King Snake and and all that. Um. So Robert hasn't really been in that long, and you haven't been in it that long, right? So it's, it's always nice to talk to somebody who's who's seen the progression. How weird is it to go from like King snake days where you kind of met people online and you may see them if you could make it to a Daytona or some of the big shows to now, like you realize that there's people down the street that own the stuff you own that you never would have met had social media not grown the way it is and how everything. And now that reptiles are so common and pets say so common, yeah. way more common than they were then. Yeah. It's, Oh yeah. It's, it's so crazy. And just the, the, ability to access information about keeping and breeding is so much easier. And, uh, you know, you were in it probably far enough back. You had a few of the, you know, the, the flyers, you set, send a self-addressed yeah. stamped envelope and they'd send you back their availability list. I mean, I used to love the so back of reptiles magazine, now. seeing all the stuff in the back of reptiles and yep. all the ads. <laughs> I would say the biggest thing that I miss is that social media has been awesome for a lot of different things, but the thing that I think is the worst 
is that you're not able to search and find conversations. Yeah. So for me, I would go to like one of those forums and I would search. I would remember, okay, somebody was talking about breeding white-lit pythons. And, you know, if someone's asking this question, I remember on this forum and I could just go search it. I could pull up a discussion from three years before. It's like, you know, 50 different, um, you know, comments from three different people that know what they're doing. And it was so awesome to be able to find that kind of, you know, conversations. And it was, you know, kept with social media, that stuff just kind of disappears over time or it's, you know, almost impossible to find again because it gets buried because there's so much information. So that's the the biggest downside. I, I really liked being able to search those those forums back in the day. Well, I think we've got so much. You talk about it, it's so easy to find information now, and it is. We've also reached a point where people don't want to have to go find information now, which is also <laughs> dangerous as well. Because you're like, yeah. look, there's so much information out there. They're like, yeah, but can you tell me exactly? I mean, don't get me wrong. I do the same thing, Travis, about all the scientific articles, but still. The the even just send me the link. Yeah, or send me the. It's always send me the video. Just give me the video. And if if there's not a video of it, and if they saw one video, that's all they needed to see. Like there's no there's no checking two or three. Like I I posted uh, an article, a little meme today. But before I did it, I went and looked like online to make sure. I was like, I don't want to be a dumbass and be wrong. So I went and looked at a bunch of different things. Went okay, no, I can post this. It's not wrong. But that doesn't happen now. That's that's I guess the ease of social media has gone. Now nah, we can just. Someone told me this one thing. I can go ahead and regurgitate that one thing for the rest of my life. Yeah. So. But yeah, overall, it's it's a better world now. I'm I'm I, I love the access to information. Like I said, I wish I could search old information, but you know the and uh, the other thing that I think is massive, which all of you probably have felt this too, is that that you know you you love these animals. You think about them all the time. You want to talk about them. And back then, it was like. The people you work with think you're weird. Your family members yes. think you're weird. Like My nobody wants to hear about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody wants to hear about these specific snakes. I remember I went to this one guy's house, and when I was in high school, he was one of the grad students of Joe Mendelson. I went to his house, and I was so excited because he had all these snakes, but he had like 200 tricolor colubrids. Oh wow! And he's going cage after cage show them and they all look the exact freaking same to me and uh, but you know well it's, uh, it's I, always funny but then he also had some some banded rock rattlesnakes and a few other things nice well, so. <laughs> well you know we were so isolated so you're the weird reptile guy wherever you are and we still somewhat are but now we can go to places like where we're not the weird reptile person like when we go to a reptile show this weekend i'm not the weird reptile person i'm just i'm me and everybody else yeah. is them and we're all kind of the same but even now, even in the real world, if you're the weird reptile person, someone's mom's cousin whatever, has a bearded dragon, leopard gecko, mm-hmm. ball python, yes. and they'll tell you about it. And so that, that's kind of a cool thing. Oh, yeah. yeah one of yeah, the best. connection is good. Yeah. One of the best. I mean, I feel like, you know, coming into the hobby when I did, social media was already so prevalent and the connections that I've made, you know, just over the last few years with people in the hobby I've learned so much, you know, just being able to connect with people on Facebook. Um, uh oh. Oh no. Well, we're still recording. It's just it. it... <laughs> Oops. Oh, we're back. Now. Um. There we go. I, I mean, okay, yeah, you're I back. We connected because of social media. Yeah. And as it turned out, we're ten minutes down the road from each other. You know. Um. So it's it's awesome. And I I mean I got into the hobby really around the same time that I moved down here. So I didn't have a lot of friends in the area 
Um, but through the hobby, I've made so many connections in Houston yeah. and it's great. Well, like, like Ben said, you said you need pods and all of a sudden you have a shit ton of pod sheds mm-hmm. within a week. And it's like, that does not happen in the forum days. No. You know, 20 people may have saw your post and one may have said, yeah, I could send you some. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then it's powerful. Oh, and then we talk about other big advancements. We talked about VivTech talking about bringing out their new control system. Mm-hmm. The equipment now available to reptile keepers is yeah. so much better than it was, you know, early 2000s, especially some of the keepers that kept in the 80s where they were having to make everything that they <laughs> they use. I mean, at this point, if you make anything that you use, it's because you're choosing to make it. They, they now make something that does whatever you need it to do. I mean, the thermostats yeah. that they have. I mean, I love my Herbstat thermostats. They're amazing. So. Yep, I still have a drawer with dimmer switches in it, but yep. I haven't used them for yep. a lot of years. Right? <laughs> Me too. I, uh, <clears throat> I I have a rheostat somewhere just so I can show people, don't get this, and then I show them a thermostat. But I used to have rheostats all the time because that's what they sold, and you just kept it low, kept it high, whatever you needed. Well, I've had to yep. set, I've had to draw a line in the sand with customers that if you call me up and say that your heat tape melted your tub, my first question is, what thermostat are you using? And if you're not using one of the ones that I told you to buy, if it's not a proportional thermostat, I'm not replacing it. Yeah. I'm going to go broke replacing tubs and heat tape from people wanting to use a $12 fucking thermostat. Yeah. (laughs) My stuff melted. Well, I told you it was going to melt. Yes. You spent $325 on this rack. You spent, you put $3,000 worth of snakes in it and you use a $16 thermostat. You buy cheap. Does that still happen? All the time. At least once a week I get one of those. I've seen so many pictures wow. that people send them of a tub that melted or because they don't keep up with their equipment and because they slide tubs in and out, in and out, they knock the thermostat probe off. Yep. I, shit I had one that got ugly. Like he wanted to blame me for him knocking a thermostat probe loose. And, uh, oh, but he's one of those that never does anything wrong. Jose, are, are, were you the one that was pulling out his tubs no no care of his animals no no okay i'm failing to see the connection here i've bought all these racks <laughs> from you and i'm like well bro I'll tell you man don't buy any more i guess <laughs> that's fine yeah if you wouldn't uh fucked it up it wouldn't have burnt and melt right our fault but yeah no it's that's also like we always talk about people say i have thermostats and they show you a thermometer too so again there's so much information out there but people will assume they know everything part what of about part. heat rocks oh fuck oh, they still sell those in pet stores I'm 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 hoping with the changes we're making with the business, I'll be able to have thermostats at shows yeah. for too much longer, and say these are the thermostats that we approve. That's it. Yeah, I pretty much tell people because I mean I have people that are, you know, they're just just starting to want to get into keeping reptiles, and so they'll come to me asking for recommendations, and I'm like, basically, if the supplies come from PetSmart or Petco, just skip it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, go to these websites. This stuff is okay. Our Stay away first, from the pet stores. Our first boa constrictor was in a glass tank on one of those old wrought iron stands that they sold glass tanks back in the early, in the mid nineties. Uh, on green astroturf with one of those tan uh, ceramic bowls that were blue on the inside and a heat rock. Yep. That was our, our first setup for our first thing. And I look back and I go, Holy fuck, that was horrible. It's painful <laughs> to me that Reptocarpet is even still a thing. Oh, this wasn't even Reptocarpet. This was AstroTurf that they used to sell on a roll at a pet store and they'd cut it off for you to fit your 20 like gallon tank. shit you put in your backyard? Yeah. <laughs> well, like plastic. The, oh, no. It was fucking like thin plastic. Oh, no. Not even like made to look like they real glass. They still sell heat rocks at PetSmart. Oh, yeah. You can find them on the bottom shelf at PetSmart. 
I've had people bring them to me before and be like, hey, what do I do with this? I'm like, I got some scissors. Cut the cord off and it's a decoration. And it's a great decoration. Enjoy your rock. Yeah, it's it's crazy the inva- advancements that we've made. And now we're talking about yeah. Ryan with being able to control your entire setup from your phone on the other side of the world. That was one thing I remember when Herbstat first came out with the uh, the ability to see your online, like online check mm-hmm. your temperatures. But you couldn't do shit. So you could be in California and watch your shit burn right. from your phone. That's why you love my Govi thermometer so much. I can just pull it up on my phone while I'm out of town and check temperatures. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. But now the ability to be able to control all that from your phone is a huge advancement that I think, uh, again, at some point we'll look at and go, yeah, that's that's normal. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about that, especially that's for cool. large collections. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that I can, if something's happening, I can shut it off from two states away and then take care of it when I get home. Yeah. Yeah, because, God, I've seen so many so many posts from people where they've come home from vacation and something malfunctioned and it cooked their animals, and that's probably my biggest fear. We've had two people on recently. We had Tracy on when we were at NARBC. She went through a house fire. Mm-hmm. And we had Blake Wilson on this past weekend, and he went through a house fire all because of heating element stuff. Mm-hmm. And these people that have kept – I mean, they, they kept good stuff. It just – it's a thing that can happen with what we do. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't thought about it, but I probably need to go through at some point and replace all the heat tape in my old racks that I've, I've been running that heat tape for close to 10 years. I probably need to change out the heat tape in there and yeah. put new heat tape in them. Probably not a bad idea. So, but anyways, get away from the negative stuff. Um, that's it. I think, I think I've asked all my questions. All my yeah. genetics questions. I don't have to go to Travis anymore. Screw you, Travis. I'm going to go to Ben now for genetics questions. So. <laughs> Travis is a good guy, too. I'm just yeah. going to pick up a phone and call Virginia Yeah, and we hope somebody at a university picks up. Get a geneticist. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the positives of social media, not the negatives. Yeah. What was I have, it? I have oh. a lot of regrets. <laughs> oh, your friend that said yes. they wouldn't be in your life without the social media? The biggest one is accepting that friend request. So I, anybody <laughs> out there that sends me a friend request, uh, I, I know, I'm not really apologizing if I don't accept it. But uh, I'm probably not going to accept it if I don't okay. actually know. I like I get people and, and I appreciate it. Like listeners that'll be like, "Hey, they want to add me as a friend," and then I'll see like Sean's their friend or like and Robert's a friend. And they realize, oh, those guys accept everybody. Yeah. I I just can't. I can't. I, I leave so many people in limbo. Or I know, if, I'm, if I'm always have, afraid to hit. I'm afraid to hit the uh, the no button because I'm like, will they see that? I don't want them to see that I regret reject, rejected them. It, it won't say that you rejected them. It'll just go back to add friend. So, oh, so then they'll know. But they won't get like a notification that you rejected them. That works. I can deal yeah. with that. So, I can deal with that. It's, there, there's a list of uh, people that know me, but I don't know them. And then also previous students. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not adding you either. I didn't like you when you were my student. That's I am friends on Facebook with one teacher. She was my fourth grade teacher. I'm friends with my high school biology teacher. I did not like any of my high school teachers. I loved my high school biology teacher. He was an ex-hippie. I went awesome. to three high schools, so it was not it was not a good time. <laughs> I became a teacher. I, I I messaged him and I thanked him for everything. I should have said "fuck you." Why did I become a teacher? <laughs> <laughs> Our high school biology teacher had a rattlesnake in his room. Well, in a side room, he didn't let all the kids know, but he let us watch him feed a mouse to it. So I liked him. <laughs> There's no way you could do that nowadays. No way. No, and it's actually illegal to keep in utah so he was breaking the law <laughs> ours had uh 100%. i'm sure it functioned if you hooked it up but it had a, a copper still up on the shelf and so i wasn't 100 sure what it was in high school but now like i was like wait i know what that was, was 
I was still. I had one high school science teacher in my junior year who had a ball python in the classroom. And this was before I really knew anything about reptiles. And so I thought it was just like super edgy that my biology teacher had a ball python in the classroom. Yeah, because ball python keepers are so edgy. And I like, I was the only one who would take it out and like let it sit on my desk. And then, you know. And then fast forward and you realized, oh, it's a ball python. Fast forward and I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) They're cute. All right. All right. I'm hungry. I am too. (laughs) Uh, So, Ben, if people want to reach out to you, uh, if they want to to get certain sheds to you or figure out certain testing or buy testing. What are all the ways in which the best ways to contact you to do that? So if, if you're interested, what tests are, are available? Um, the rare genetics Inc website is the best place to go. Um, we're on Facebook and Instagram as rare genetics Inc. So you can see, we'll announce when we're looking for sheds or when uh, we have a new test available or, you know, one is getting close um, right now, we have a GoFundMe going that's helping to uh, pay for the morph, the reptile morph sequencing. So, like I said, right now it's ball pythons, but I fully intend to be able to branch that out into other uh, reptile species. Um, so, there's a GoFundMe that I think it's the name of it is Reptile Morph Sequencing Project. Um, so, you can see us any of those places um, and. Uh, Shoot me a message if you have any questions on Facebook or Instagram or through the website. There's a contact us. Any of those things will work. That's awesome. I look forward to seeing uh, how that grows and what all you can test for. Because, again, I think the eventual goal of being able to just send in a shed and you can tell them it's this, 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 and this. Like the you know, the 23andMe kind of thing for people. But you can now do it for snakes. Go, here's your list of yep. what your snake is. And hopefully, eventually, we can do it for carpet python. We can do it for a boa. We can do it for you know a, a retic. That would be fun someday. That's just so freaking awesome. cool. Well, and the and the and as we go further, it'll be super affordable. So people will be do be able to do it on a large scale. Everybody will be able to go ahead and uh, make sure what the things are. They could sell a snake with a certification from him. So that that that's an awesome thing to be able to sell. So, that, and I know everybody goes, well, don't think of them as money, but they are fucking money. This, this is a business for some people. So being able to sell a snake for a thousand dollars versus a hundred dollars is a huge difference. And so that really is going to help a lot of people. And I mean, as, as a person that's buying an animal, it'll help ease your worry. Because I mean, you see all the time people going, has anybody ever bought from this person before? And, you know, and yeah. I've bought, I've got, and I hate doing it because I don't tend to do it, but I have two possible het snakes in there that came from the same person. And I'm hoping one of them proves out. So I hate possible heads, but we yeah. can get rid of that. Also, if it's someone kind of shady, you're not sure, you still decided to buy it. It's much better to do a test and find out right away that you got swindled than to raise them up for three years yes. and then find out that they're not what they you were told. God, that that would suck. I'm, I'm, I know I know several people that have gone through that for sure. <laughs> especially the price tag on some of these animals that people have gotten swindled on that oh, yeah. they get and find out. I mean, hell, I've got a four thousand dollar ball python that's a hit. Uh, $3,500. That's a hit that, you know, but I trust the person I bought it from. Yeah. Because I also bought a visual. But yeah, it's uh, it's always a gamble. And then that's when Rachel calls me up. You know, it's only happened twice. I found a snake dead in the room and I'm like, please don't be one of the puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it hasn't been. It was the last time it was and we've, sunset. We've also already seen an example of someone that did buy a snake from a you know, a very reputable, trustworthy breeder, 
and we know exactly what the pairing was and you know, the, I think that the female was a lavender albino, but this male that, you know, sh for sure should be had lavender albino never produced any. And I ran the test and he's not had lavender albino. So somehow, more than likely, the, there was a switch at some point, a mistake made and snakes got switched in their cages or some really weird or, genetic thing happened, which would or be partho. Cool. I guess you could have partho from a parent, right? And that would... Then it would be, if it's a lavender albino female, then all of her offspring would be lavender albinos. Gotcha. So, and, and it's a male, so you wouldn't gotcha. get a male from partho. So. Yeah. so yeah, it's very strange. It could have been and androgenesis, where the, all the genetics come just from the sire, but um, the, there's other parts. First of all, uh, anyway, I won't go down that road <laughs> too far. That's no, that's super not the interesting, case. With this. Though, like, it is. I mean, I feel like I mean, you could do like multiple episodes surrounding this that were a couple hours long, and like <laughs> you would never run out of information to talk about. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Yeah, and again, the it'd be very interesting. Someone sends in a shed, and they find out that their snake that was only hundred dollars really is a two thousand dollars snake. That's also a fun, a fun thing. Going, oh no, this actually has this gene, this gene, this gene, because it was the original parents were possible heads yeah you know yeah so yeah we did a, a giveaway for people you know to kind of generate more donations to the gofundme and it was a pos het genetic stripe and clown and it was also pos het pied but we ran the test found out it was het pied um, and then it's leopard and other things as well but now that that animal will be able to do those other tests for them in a few months and find out it might be triple het <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome so uh so let's get so before we go uh, again check out our everybody check out our giveaway for this month again we're giving away a bunch of reptile books next month we're giving away uh, I posted it on our, our group on our page though a mandala from our buddies over at Crafty Gargoyle so uh, we'll have some sort of cool uh, artsy mandala of a reptile up for next month's giveaway um, next week we will not be here again I'm releasing our episodes from this last Herp show so that'll be Herp's Brian College we got several really good interviews there again. Make sure you listen to the Blake Wilson interview. It'll you can listen to the yep. the stripper named Bambi. Yep. But uh, that'll be an interesting one. And then we'll be back in two weeks, hopefully, with a friend of ours. So, Ben, thank you for coming on. It's been really interesting. I'm super excited to see where this goes. Um, thanks for filling in, Megan. I smell food downstairs, so I'm I'm assuming my wife is home. She hasn't been up to say anything. <laughs> Somebody broke it and is cooking you dinner. Someone's cooking dinner. Someone has food downstairs. We ordered Mr. Beast burgers tonight. Mr. Beast, the YouTuber. Those freaking nice. burgers are legit good. They are amazing. They're cooked you, at Red wait, Robin. Wait, a YouTuber started a so burger restaurant? He, he's he's an entrepreneur. He's 23. He's got 90-something million YouTube followers. But he, all these restaurants are struggling during the pandemic. So he said, well, I'll let them start these virtual restaurants. I'll send them all the ingredients. You can only order it online through Uber Eats. And his name like is attached to it. His, oh, yeah. okay. Like and one of those ghost kitchens. So it's like these are cooked at Red Robin, mm -hmm. but it's not the Red Robin burgers. It is a smash oh, okay. burger, double patty. Oh, that's interesting. Freaking fantastic. He said some restaurants are doing $10,000 a week in extra sales on Mr. Beast Burger. What's well, so amazing? What, he has like, 95 million followers well, at, just on his English channel. Look at what Ben said, having Ed and we know the power of Ed and Emily. Sure. So having Ed and Emily there with all of their followers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Mr. Beast was on Joe Rogan last week, and I listened to it, and yep. I'm like, I am a Mr. Beast fan now. My kid loves it. Now my kid's all excited because he I loves I love a good Mr. burger. Beast. 
Oh my God. That was so good. Super interesting podcast. It really was. That guy is 23 years old and is just doing things. I mean, he's, he set up, um, like, uh, meal giveaway things and he's, I think he's in North Carolina. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, he gave away like 20,000 turkeys at Thanksgiving. He got Jenny O to donate 20,000 turkeys. Uh, but he does all these super intricate YouTube videos and like he'll, he'll pick five random people and say, put your hand on my Ferrari. The last one to take it off wins it. I'd have a Ferrari. Yeah. I mean, he's, I can tell you that right now. Every, sit in this square. <laughs> the last one out gets a million dollars. My drive I mean, to not lose is stronger than my drive to do anything else. Yeah. So yep. he gave away an Island recently. He told me that. And the guy ended up like, I don't need a fucking Island. Yeah. So he sold the yeah, Island for a million I- bucks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always telling my husband that I just want to move to a deserted island. You say that until you realize they he don't have plumbing island. or electricity. He or bought an island in the Bahamas, sight unseen, thinking it would have a beach on it, and got there and goes, there's no fucking beach. And I wrote this whole thing, this whole video surrounding a beach. So he spent another million dollars having a beat, a terraform beach built on the island that's going to be gone in the first hurricane. An and, island uh, without a beach. Yeah. All he right. just did one that was all the Squid Game games. Like exact replicas of the Squid Games, and uh, gave away a bunch of money. But like he even did like the glass panes where you had to figure out the tempered and the not tempered. Except you didn't fall to your death; you fell into a big thing of you know padding. So yeah. Anyway, and it has like two hundred and thirty million views. Yeah, that's insane. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The world we live in. Yep. All right. All right. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Hang around as we say goodbye. Uh, and uh, we'll see everybody. We'll talk to everybody in two weeks. Enjoy our recordings from the show. Goodbye. <laughs>